the White House, President Eisenhower signs the proclamation that makes Alaska's entry into the Union official, nearly 92 years after Lincoln's Secretary of State bought the territory from the Russian Tsar for $7 million. The Alaska Wild Project podcast is brought to you by the following sponsors. Barney Sports Chalet, supplying hunters with the best hand-selected gear since 1963. The exclusive home of Frontier Gear, built for the rugged Alaskan terrain. Your one-stop shop for all your outdoor needs. Visit Barney's today at 906 West Northern Lights. Tailored Restoration 24-Hour Emergency Home Services, helping Alaskans restore their dreams since 1972. Services include fire, water, mold, post-emergency cleaning, repair, and remodeling. Give them a call in Anchorage, Eagle River, Matsu, or Fairbanks. Hit them up at tailoredrestorationalaska.com. Total Truck and Alaska Overlander, Alaska's premier supplier for custom automotive accessories and overlanding products, providing all-inclusive rental vehicles and trailers custom outfitted to explore the Alaskan backcountry with a unique and convenient traveling experience. TheTreehouseAK.com, located at 341 Boniface Parkway, Alaska's own and grown cannabis and CBD store. Ask the bud tender what the strain of the day is to get your 10% off. The Treehouse, where the culture lives. AKO Farms, located in Sitka, Alaska, built from the ground up with concentrates as their single motivation, with exclusive products such as their sugar wax, full-spectrum diamond sauce cards, and more. Ask your local bud tender about AKO. Marijuana has intoxicating effects that may be habit-forming and addictive. Marijuana impairs concentration, coordination, and judgment. Do not operate a vehicle or machinery under the influence. There are health risks associated with consumption of marijuana. For the use of only by adults 21 and older, keep out of the reach of children, and marijuana should not be used by women who are pregnant or breastfeeding. The Bait Shack, located on Ship Creek upstream of the bridge. Can't miss the bright red shack. They are the go-to fishing gear rental and guide service on Ship Creek tight lines and fish on come hook into the action with them hit them up at thebaitshackak.com snow pro ak your snow and ice management company specializing in business and residential properties they know what it takes to keep your property presentable and safe give them a call for a free estimate at 280-7098 or visit lawnproak.com double shovel cider company located off of arctic and 58th handcrafted alaskan-made colonial ciders they also have a tap room downtown on the corner of 5th and E. Stop by today and taste an award-winning cider. The Alaska chapter of Backcountry Hunters and Anglers. BHA is the voice of our Alaskan public lands, waters, and wildlife. Their goal is to uphold our hunting and fishing legacy while keeping our public lands wild. Stand up today and join BHA at backcountryhunters.org. So, so how long were you... Uh, there you go. How long were you in the building before you decided to actually jump out? Uh, I was there after the earthquake started. It was less than 30 seconds later, and I was down. You were like, this doesn't seem out. like it's going to stop. I'm going to get out of here. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, you threw the chair out and just came right after it? Yeah, I, I held on to the chair. The oh, you did. Room. All right. Yeah, because I just because I didn't want to carve myself all the way up. So I just, uh, and, uh, but just, uh, yeah, it. It went pretty quick because, uh, but then the, the seven-story control tower comes crashing fifty yards in front of me. Oh wow! wow. Yeah, I've never heard 
I mean, I've heard lots of stories about the 64 earthquake, but yeah. never any at the airport. Yeah. Oh, it's, and it's, the control tower came down. It's in the book. It's, it's in the uh, book. Wow, you know, uh, and there's cool. even a, it, it's even a picture in it. I think I'll show you. You know, when uh, when we had that earthquake in 2018 or whatever, even though mm-hmm. it wasn't that crazy, um, a lot of things you don't hear about, and I'm curious, Chris, what, how your experience was, is when you're done with the earthquake and you realize you need to go home or wherever you're supposed to go yeah how was the travel well it was very circuitous because uh, uh, i had an old volkswagen uh, there and uh, and i uh, decided after i first helped to pull some people up from underneath the control tower i there was mm. only a few people it was good friday late afternoon most of the flights mm. had left uh, and uh, so there was about uh, just a half a dozen people there and uh, and so, and th- you heard the screaming of uh, people under the tower, and the traffic control himself was, and, seven, and he got killed, uh, and oh. several people got. Uh, but then there were some people. The flight kitchen was in the bottom uh, of the that uh, control tower, and uh, and and so that's first. Uh, that's when we heard. The, as I came back after things settled down, finally, you know, after five minutes, and uh, and I had run way out on the runway, and then I came back and. And uh, heard people underneath the tower there that were uh, were caught, and uh, so a c- few people were able to pull out, uh, but the rest they they had to wait till the equipment came, and uh, and then the manager there from Northwest Airlines says, uh, "It's it's uh, he, he has it now. The control security is coming, and uh, more more help and medic med- medics." So he says, "I guess now it's." But he was very appreciative that uh, at the beginning we a few of us got underneath the tower there and try to pull them out and then I headed uh, back to Anchorage my home was on 11th and C Street uh, mm-hmm. I had a two bedroom home uh, there uh, that I rented and uh, and but it took uh, I was able to drive to it but uh, uh, several times I had to make detours and go back because the road was broken <coughs> or and just bef- before I left uh, the Northwest Airline Manager, which ran the flight kitchen at that time, he said, uh, Chris, come back tomorrow, because I said I couldn't lock the office, you know, the, the safe and uh, everything, come back tomorrow. And also, not only are they able to be able to probably crawl into the office and uh, and lock things up, but he says, and you can take as much food as you want to take with you, because it's uh, the, the, all the freezers, everything is uh, kaput. Oh, and, uh, yeah. mm. He says, so get this many steaks and chickens and butter and uh, what else and so i i did load up my my volkswagen left and right after uh, the next day <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and but then at home of course no refrigerator either then I, but i had a big dog house and i shoved it all in and then i put ice uh, and snow in there too that was my refrigerator <laughs> it, was still, it was still cool enough yeah smart thinking wow. smart thinking so were you flying out of town or were you just getting back into town? You were at the airport. So did you did no, you arrive, I, I, or you were? I was I was a manager for Scandinavian Airlines System. Oh, you're working there. Yeah, I oh, was. Gotcha. That, that okay. was my work workplace. Okay. Yeah. And okay. So uh, that's where I had my office in the second floor. Understood. Understood. Yeah. Wow. Of the tower. Hmm? It was second floor, second story of the airport or of the tower? Not the, the, the tower was about 50 yards away. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. So yeah, that was yeah. the building, which is now the Alaska Airlines section. Uh, it used to be uh, oh, the, the, yeah. old, the old yeah. airport, yeah. Right, right, right. The towers were separate, but uh, close by. Yeah. Right. What a fascinating story. Yeah. And the really? story's in the book? Oh, it's yeah. in the book, yep. Let's, oh, let's tell and, the and people what the name of the book is. Okay. The name of the book is 
Today, Alieska. Tomorrow is the world. <laughs> it's all yes. it's all a little bit uh, on my accent, my German accent. So yeah. we put the, oh, z- the, z- the Z in there. Got to put the yeah. Z in there, right? <laughs> the, the Z like a singer. <laughs> yeah. The, I, I, the other one would, that would be fun to read is just like all your quotes. You know, that there's a whole section on quotes. Yeah, uh, CJ, CJ recapped those. Uh, oh, really? Yeah, yeah. yeah. He was my, my quotes man. Oh, awesome. Yeah. <laughs> there's some interesting one, including the, the last one, the separate story, how yodeling started. Did you read that? No, I didn't read that one. Ooh, that's a good story. All right. It's in um, the book, but uh, that would take a while. To, uh, well, <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a page and a half to explain it, but uh, that's a little bit on the on the risk case side because it's basically the f- uh, the uh, there's a farm uh, up in Bavaria, and uh, one of the fellows that uh, was wandering from one place to, to another town and uh, needed a place to rest, so he. Uh, Asked the farmer if he could stay the night at his hay barn, and the farmer said, "That's fine. Go ahead, stay there." Well, uh, later the his th- farmer's daughter asked, uh, "What? Uh, what? Uh, who is there? Who is that man?" He says, "Oh, he's a he's a, a, a young young man is heading to another town, and they just need a place to rest." Oh, so she's oh, I think he must be hungry. So when she, uh, she went to get some out of the kitchen and uh, went to the hay barn and fed him. She didn't come back an hour later and he was all disheveled, blouse was half open and so on. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and so the mother observed this, uh, but the daughter immediately went to her room and didn't say anything. And uh, then the, the mother said to her husband, that, that poor guy must be thirsty. I'm going to bring him a bottle of wine. And uh, <laughs> so she, she went... Uh, down there and uh, and met with him and again it took an hour and then she came back all disheveled and all the <laughs> hair and everything else. So anyhow, the night passed. The next morning, the young man uh, took off. Uh, in the morning he waved uh, the farmer goodbye from the distance and then the the daughter came uh, running up there. Oh, he left. Oh, he was such a nice man. Uh, oh, we made we made love together. And the father go what what. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so by that time the the fellow was halfway up the mountain and uh, and uh, and the father said you 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 screwed my daughter how can you do that and then he yelled back and I laid the old lady too <laughs> 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 and the old lady said well, I laid the old lady too <laughs> <laughs> It's in the book. Oh. A, whole, a whole chapter is devoted oh. to that. Oh. Man, he did the old. He did the old double tap. Yeah. Oh man! Oh, that's hilarious. That's a good one, man. How long did it take to write the book? It took about a year and a half. Um, oh, that's and okay. it, it started right in 2020 when the Corona crisis just hit, and we were mm. in, in Austria. And uh, my wife is a journalist and a book author from from Germany, and she wrote many books, uh, quite oh. three or four. Uh, but she was a long-term journalist, and she's the one who heard all these stories over all the years since we got married. And uh, and she says, "Oh, you gotta!" And here we were locked down in in Austria in our place because we couldn't even go out and uh, other mm. than the go grocery shopping, and then only one. Uh, and so, and we had lots of times. So now it's your time to let's write the book. And I thought, oh, okay. And I thought, you know, the old days I was used. I had a dictating machine, had a couple of secretaries, one for the hotel, one for the ski area, and I just 
dictated. No, no, no. You sit down on the computer and write it yourself. And uh, <laughs> oh wow, you had to type it all up. And I'm not exactly the, the fastest. Oh, you were the, the one, the one finger. The finger type. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but, uh, Chris, you had plenty of time. So yeah, we had plenty of time. <laughs> and I, but normally when I tell a story, I tell it with a lot of enthusiasm. But uh, here I was when I wrote the book, I wrote it in the chronological order, mm-hmm. facts and figures and cut and dry. And my wife, uh, she is a good journalist, says, we got to embellish this. This is too, cu- <laughs> too cut and dry. And she is a journalist. She could, uh, okay. she could do that. So she put some, uh, some spice on it? Yeah, yeah she did. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. But there are certain things. That is not in the book. Oh. You have to read between the lines. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's yeah, right. Yeah, that's yeah, right. Yeah. There's definitely some of that. Yeah. yeah. Let the imagination take over a little bit, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah How amazing. far does it start? The beginning, beginning? It starts when I... Uh, when I when you went back to, to from my, Germany? My, uh, it starts when my, my, my mother was pregnant. It's, uh, that's the beginning. Oh, okay. Uh, no, but anyway, it starts when I was born in Berlin, yeah. And uh, so I, I talk about uh, my childhood there and how we traveled during the war and, uh, and how I headed back to, to Garmisch uh, with my brothers and family. Okay. Yeah. And then it, you kind of got a little bit into like you're falling in love with like a ski town for the first time. Exactly. Uh, uh, Garmisch was at that thing, the Olympic ski resort, and they had hosted the 1936 uh, Winter Olympics. And my father and my uncle, they were in bobsledding at that time. So they, oh, and, wow. uh, but so they were really mountaineers. And uh, so that I really enjoyed uh, growing up in that region because it's, it's uh, a beautiful part of uh, Germany, actually the best part of Germany. And so that's where I had my, uh, when I went to school, and that's where I then started the, in the hotel business at my uncle's hotel, and, I, and then went to hotel management school. And while I was working at the at the hotel, the best hotel in Garmisch, uh, and uh, uh, I met an American family and uh, and uh, told them about my dream someday to want to come to America to continue my hotel career in America because most hotel executives, when they're hotel management, they move around to different parts of the world uh, to really gain the experience uh, so I said, and uh, this American family, I took them skiing a few times, and uh, there was a mother and, th- and, and two daughters and a, and a son, and their father had been killed in the airplane crash. So but so we got to know each other, and they're quite a wealthy family. And, uh, and then one day uh, when they said, let's have lunch together, we have an idea. So then uh, they offered to sponsor me to, to America, which mm. was a great way to be able to be able to come over to the United States because you have to have a, a sponsor and so on. And that's when I, when I was 19 years old and 19 and a half years old, I boarded the ship from Naples, Italy to New York, and that's where you headed over here. Straight across the pond. Uh, like a steamship? Oh, yeah. No, it was it was regular uh, cruise, cruise ship. Yeah. Oh, cruise ship. Oh, okay. okay. Mm-hmm. All right. How long did it take? The SS Constitution, and uh, it took exactly one week. Okay. And it's a great way to come over as an immigrant because uh, you get to know a lot of people, and uh, they tell you about uh, America, and uh, mm. and I got to know the people on the ship, and they t- took me around everywhere. But uh, and then when we got to New York. Uh, um, I, I still I me- remember when I passed the Statue of Liberty and I said, wow, this is it on a, on a, on a, it. On a Saturday morning and said, wow, here I am. And uh, 
And then the family had a car that they had bought in Germany, and they said, we're going to drive across from New York to Los Angeles, and, and West Los Angeles. So it was a great experience, not only come by ship, but then travel across the country for yeah. another, another uh, two weeks, uh, 10 days. Uh, we spent some time in New York itself and then headed west. So a lot of time people fly over from here to there and never yeah. had a chance to really experience. So this I describe in the book too, what kind of first impressions I had the first time I I saw one of those driving uh, food food places, and the people were munching uh, from the uh, from the windows, uh, and, uh, their hamburgers yeah. and, and dripping. And, and uh, <laughs> yeah, well, that's a little different than what I was used to. But uh, but anyhow, I talk about some of those first impressions coming to America, and yeah. uh, and, the, and comparing a little bit. That's always an interesting experience for every European coming over here, and vice versa, every American going over to Europe. And, yeah, uh, yeah, same. Well, so and how often does a immigrant get to come to the east coast and go all the way over yeah. to the west very really I, I feel like a lot of times they get rooted in say you know jersey or philly or new york or yeah. and then that's where you are yeah and you and, and then often you don't get for years before you have a chance to travel yeah, anywhere else. and you got to do it right away. And that, that was a great, great way to learn more wow. about the country. And I, when I was in Los Angeles, I worked at the Beverly Hills Hotel in Beverly Hills. It was my first job, which was at that time considered one of the very best yeah, hotels. Like top in the, notch. And, uh, yeah. and uh, some of the guys had never been in places where I just traveled from. And... Uh, yeah, even the Beverly Hilton Hotel, that's where, where they had the biggest banquet rooms, two uh, ballrooms, and where all the Hollywood events were. Oh. And uh, so many, many special events. And I got to know, amongst others, several times they came to the front desk. I worked at the reception on the, on the evening shift. Uh, oh. And uh, and several times people came, and uh, I even made friends with Frank Sinatra and Dean Martin. Uh, oh. Right at the front desk. And then they, they invite Chris, after you get off duty, come in. They had these big events in the ballroom. And uh, we come and join us and, and enjoy and uh, and so have I did. Some, <laughs> have some cocktails and hang out. <laughs> oh, that was that was good part. You know, I got off at midnight and these uh, oh, off these uh, these uh, events lasted till one or two in the morning. And by that time, most people were a little more looped and a little happier. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, ready for some fun, cut loose. So, so that was my first wow. uh, my first job. Uh, three weeks after I arrived in uh, West Los Angeles. Uh, and uh, then I got that job and I really enjoyed it. Then I wanted to be independent. I didn't want to be a burden to the family. I stayed at their home, but, uh, and I said, uh, I've got to find a place. And the, one of the employees at the Beverly Hills Hotel, he had a two-bedroom house and, uh, and one, one of his friends was leaving, so I moved in there. And the next thing I did is buy myself a Vespa, one of the scooters. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, the so I had a place to live and I had a way to get, get around. Yeah. And from there down to Santa Monica and to Malibu, it wasn't that far. You know, that yeah. was a good good way to start uh, my life yeah, in America. That's right, and just beautiful then too. I mean, that's before it got yeah. crazy, it was, overly populated, yeah, and it, it and wasn't as crowded then yet. Uh, wow, no. It was uh, just a bit, and I went there a couple times in more recent times, and oh, I couldn't believe it. I, I'm yeah. glad I don't live there anymore. Yeah, uh, yeah. changed a lot. Yeah. Is that Beverly Hilton, the the hotel from uh, Beverly Hills Hilton, the, the hotel from uh, Pretty Woman? Is that, that the same one? That's a Beverly Hills hotel. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, no. with uh, Richard Gere and uh, yeah. Ju Julia, uh, what's... Um, uh, Roberts? Roberts? Julia Roberts. Julia Roberts, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's yeah. A, that was a good show. Yeah, yeah. That was. Well, classic. Did you, um, your English is so good. Did you learn when you 
got here or were you learning before you came to the states in in school when i went through high school uh, it was uh, one the, of the courses yeah the, one of the first uh, foreign languages is english it was almost mandatory that you learn oh really and even though i wasn't very fluent but i had the, the basic knowledge you know i had uh, three four years but um, then when i was in the west uh, when i worked at the Bellevue hilton hotel i first took uh, uh, courses um, in history and and uh, in political science first at Santa Monica City College I couldn't get into UCLA right away and then uh, but that was a little further down the road and then I applied at UCLA and I continued my part-time you know I didn't, uh, it was not full-time but I just wanted to pursue the the two major subjects which I was interested in in p- political science I was always interested in history and uh, so so I continued there to improve my language even though it, it ain't perfect yet <laughs> some, some some people say I sound a little bit like Arnold <laughs> Arnold Schwarzenegger, oh, oh, but uh, yeah. but I don't yeah. have the muscles. <laughs> <laughs> the governor. That's right. The governor. Yeah, that's right. That's right. He uh, actually Arnold was at, at at the Alaska Prince Hotel uh, years later, and uh, oh, was that right? Yeah, with the Special Olympics they had uh, there, and mm-hmm. uh, he and the Kennedy family were sponsors, and so uh, oh. I welcomed him there to the hotel. And my my youngest son Fabian, who wanted to, he was an admirer and he was a muscle builder and had uh-huh. his book, and so. He said, Dad, can you talk to Mr. Schwarzenegger and, and get a signature on my book? And the, so after I ended, uh, I met him, and I didn't hit him right up because he was going to save it two or three days, but I welcomed him in Bavarian, Tyrolean accent, uh, and uh, so he we hit it off right oh, from I the bet. beginning. Right? So <laughs> you did. And then a little later, I say, uh, he says, bring your son up. I want to meet him, and then I'll, I'll autograph the book. Oh, and, uh, beautiful. It oh. meant a lot to the good old Fabian. Oh, I bet. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my goodness. Um, you you kind of skipped over a part I, I wanted to ask about. You you said that your family was into bobsledding. Yes, back then. Mm-hmm. What did you do that? Too? No, no, I didn't do that. But my father and my uncle and they were in the Winter Olympics in 1936, uh, and they were uh, and my uncle actually was uh, the the. the the driver and uh, my father was a brakeman, and and, and there was they had two seaters and four seaters, and, uh, and the, they were doing a lot of uh, bobsledding there. Yeah. And it's uh, that bobsled run is right in in the home, in that town of Garmisch Partenkirchen that was part of the Winter Olympics. Uh, so yeah, I, I, I did more skiing, but at that time the I didn't get a chance to do much bobsledding. Yeah, in the book you talk about your dad being a race car driver too. Yeah. What, what, tell us more about that. Well, he and my uncle again. During the summertime, they were uh, in the car racing, and they they owned a Bugatti. Uh, I'm not sure if you're familiar oh, with yeah. that. Uh, and oh yeah. And they uh, raced cars in, in Salt. Uh, they won in Salzburg uh, in 1936. They won the 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 in their league. They won the the races. I always had a picture of them in an open convertible Bugatti. There, uh-huh. and, uh, I wish they still had that. Uh, picture that, that unfortunately later got lost but uh, yeah they they were and then my that's the way my father actually then also transferred to berlin he had the mercedes dealership in in berlin so that's when he moved from from the hometown of garmisch to berlin to uh, uh, open up the, the franchise there for mercedes uh, but uh, that's uh, uh, that's where why we lived that's why he had moved up from from his hometown in garmisch to up north because he was in the car business. Yeah, and Garmisch is much smaller. Oh yeah, uh, Garmisch is a small just, town. It's a, a population of twenty-seven thousand people. Oh wow! Yeah. Okay, yeah. 
Yeah, no stoplights. Stoplights. <laughs> <laughs> Only on the ski. Not gonna put. A, not gonna put a Mercedes Benz dealership here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I was just thinking uh, as we're just going feet first right into this amazing conversation about a very uh, historical individual here. We should introduce our show. Uh, welcome to episode one nineteen, Alaska Wild Project. We have. Uh, Man, I don't even know how to roll this out. I'm going to say author number one, uh, Chris von Einhoff. Imhoff. Yeah. Imhoff. Uh, you, I, how many, what is your title? <laughs> What's what, is it like 10 things? Is it, I, I mean, I, I said author. What, 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 what was Mr. your hospitality? Mr. Hospitality, yeah. yeah. That's what they, they, uh, when they named me as uh, Mr. Hospitality, uh, but uh, I, I've had lots of jobs. I was running a ski area. I, yep. running, uh, I worked for an airline. Uh, I worked director of tourism for the state of Alaska. Mm -hmm. When I moved up here, uh, a few years later, the governor appointed me. I had, uh, of course, running the resort, and uh, uh, I've been involved in a lot of projects. So, yeah. I, Most certainly. Including uh, with the Wildlife Center, I've been actively involved. I, I was present for the... Alaska Wildlife Center. Oh, you were? Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. But was that before or after they got the wood bison? Uh, that was before. All right. I would say at the time when we got the wood bison. Yeah. That yeah. whole introduction of the wood yeah. bison. That's a crazy story. Mike Miller was our executive director, and he kind of helped uh, move things along. But uh, when I first joined the... It, uh, the, the Wildlife Center was really struggling financially, so I said, uh -huh. let's make it a non-profit organization, uh, oh, yeah. and I can get federal grants and state mm -hmm. grants and uh, mm. and from foundations like the Rasmus Foundation get funding, and so, and that's when we were able to really make progress because uh, before he was really struggling because to, just to take care of the animals, feeding oh, them, man. and it's oh, a yeah. very, very costly operation, so, but yeah. it uh, has been a real highlighted my life i'm still on the board oh yeah fantastic <laughs> it's awesome yeah. it, i mean to be a part of re-establishing the wood bison herd in alaska is great yeah they, they were extinct and uh, and yeah. actually basically in north america and they, they, but then they discovered a herd in yukon territory mm -hmm. and uh, and uh, there the government of yukon and alaska government got the fishing game got together and uh, agreed to uh, willing to have a, a small herd of about 25 30 uh, mm -hmm. That it would be, and then we, we brought them to Alaska. There was a. It took two, three years to get through that whole process. Mm -hmm. Very, mm -hmm. very, very involved. Then we had to get them all through uh, a vaccination process. Right. And so he had oh, each right. one. Each one had to go through one of those shoots, and then uh, get jammed in. Then you take blood out of them, and so on. And it was quite a. I bet. Yeah, they quite a show. Weren't too happy about that. But, but no, no, they. Uh, but then after three, four years, when everything was proven that they're. They they're healthy and well and, and and multiplying and then we moved them out to Shatulak um, in the in the western Alaska and mm. uh, and that's where they have multiplied and doing quite well. Yeah, yeah, they're doing they're <laughs> yeah. doing well. How long has then um, Nature Center been around? When did that get established originally? The Wildlife Center initially wildlife got Center, yeah. started uh, in uh, in the, I would say in the mid sixties. Oh wow! Yeah, that that long ago. Yeah, and uh, but then for the first ten years, or so it was called uh, the Big Game, Big Big Game Alaska, and that mm -hmm. Mike Miller and uh, Doug, uh, another fellow that Randy, uh, the f the fish and no, not our 
the Indian Valley Meat Market. Oh yeah. Uh, oh yeah. okay. Uh, Indian uh, Valley Meats. Uh, uh, yeah, and yeah. Uh, and they, they they teamed up at the time, but then Doug wanted to get out. It was too too uh, labor intensive, and uh, and then when I moved back. Uh, uh, from much later when I moved back from uh, Hawaii back to Alaska and uh, and I really took a liking to Mike and the, and the progress and then uh, and I said uh, man we need to get get some more money to be able to do things to really do it right because they were really struggling and then yeah. and when they, um, so they picked a few members on the board and then I couldn't remember, I couldn't attend a board meeting, and and that's of course that's when they elected me as president of the board. <laughs> <laughs> that's you're the way doing it goes. Such a good so, job, yeah. you're gonna lead this thing. Yeah. Well, and they knew my father-in-law was. Uh, 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 my son's father-in-law was Ed Rasmussen, the chairman of. Uh, the Bank of Alaska, uh, yeah. National Bank of Alaska, mm-hmm. and uh, the Rasmus Foundation. Great and then, man. And then one Great of man. my closest friends, uh, f- a real personal closest friend, is uh, Ted Stevens. And, <laughs> and he even came to a wedding in Austria, and he read, there's also a story about yep. him when I took him for a walk. And <laughs> but anyhow, so, and that's <laughs> what the, this guy behind my back is, oh yeah, Chris, he got connections. He knew Ted, and he knew Rasmus, and man, we're going to get him to, on the board. And, and sure <laughs> 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 but uh, it, it made a difference. We were able to get grants and um, and uh, and really make progress. That's great. Awesome, yeah, that's man. fantastic. So you were so from the hotel in Beverly Hills, and what decided what motivated you to eventually come to Alaska, and what year was that? Well, that's a good question uh, because I had a good good job there, and uh, but the, then I talked to some of the college students also from UCLA, and they <coughs> said, Chris, uh, right now actually the more exciting business and even the the, the hotel business, the airline business, and uh, and uh, I said, oh, interesting. Yeah, and the, uh, that was just when the jet age uh, was developing in the in the sixties, and uh, and uh, so I thought may, maybe I should try that for a little while too, because uh, you could travel all around on passes and uh, and uh, and learn a new business. And I thought if it didn't work out, I can always go back to the hotel business where I had my degrees and uh, my experience. Uh, so that's where. I applied with SCS Scandinavian Airlines. They were the first carrier to have the polar flights from Europe via Anchorage to Asia, uh, to, to Tokyo, Copenhagen, Anchorage, Tokyo. And uh, and later then Air France followed. And pretty soon, because they couldn't fly over Russia during the Cold War, they had mm. to fly over Anchorage. So Anchorage, oh. Anchorage became the air crossroads of the world. And, uh, wow. oh, like and, and so I was at that time down in California and then, and then, uh, and then when the opportunity, my boss from he was from Scandinavia, from Denmark. He says, uh, "Chris, uh, I, we got a job for you up north, and, and, and top job in the." <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so he told me about the Alaska, and and I didn't know much more than most Americans or most Europeans. They think cold and dark, and, yeah. and uh, of course, it turned out to be at the beginning we first arrived in November. It was cold and dark. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but exactly uh, no igloos. But anyhow, so. and they they appointed me to uh, be the manager here for the North Polar Route here in Anchorage, and uh, that's what brought me up. Uh, and um, I really have no regrets. Never, never regretted that I had that opportunity to come here to Alaska. Uh, well, and what was Anchorage like then? Well, it was a small town. I forget now what the population was, and and I moved up here in, in, in November of 1963. Uh, and uh, I think it may have had about 150,000 uh, uh, population, maybe a little bit more. Uh-huh. 
and uh, <coughs> and then it uh, uh, slowly uh, grew, and then later, of course, and uh, with the military uh, uh, expanding, and then with the uh, pipeline, then in the seventies. Oh it, yeah. Uh, yeah, the boom. It, it, the, I, I have to digress when we talk about the pipeline. And by that time, I was already managing Aliesk Resort that uh, took over that one later. Yeah, and uh, I had a hell of a time trying to keep employees because uh, oh yeah, oh. running off to work the on the cook, pipeline. The cooks, mechanics, all of them could get uh, jobs uh, paid three times as much money right. as we could uh, afford in uh, in uh, in, uh, in Girdwood. Uh, in Girdwood, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Except for you give them a <laughs> free ski pass, right? Yeah. That, that, <laughs> <laughs> you would have to have be a real ski bum. But anyhow, so I worked with SES here, and uh, I really enjoyed my job. And, and then uh, uh, one day, uh, uh, the, the government wanted to have a big promotion uh, to uh, to Europe with SES, and SES said they would sponsor it. So and then uh, I agreed to coordinate it, and so we invited some people from the travel industry, from the different airlines and tour companies. Then we had to some Eskimos and Indians uh, yeah, yeah. participate. And so there was a real good group, including Governor Egan, uh -huh. first governor of Alaska. Right. And mm. uh, and so I got to know him pretty well. And then there was one other nice uh, person on that uh, on that promotion was Miss Alaska. Oh. She's just retiring Miss Alaska. Oh. And she was not looking bad at all. <laughs> <laughs> That, that turned out to be uh, CJ's mom. Then. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh. Yeah. oh, you pulled that one in, huh? Okay. She, All she's right. fish on. So, so from the book, I mean, she's but Miss Alaska, and she's like like a, like a natural born killer out there as a hunter. Yeah. She's, oh yeah. She oh, was. Yeah. She was raised. In, she was born in Nome and raised in Cotsview, and uh, and she was uh, uh, both polar bear hunting and uh, grizzly bear hunting, and, uh, and so she was a. Uh, Quite a quite a smart. She went to university at, at, at Fairbanks, where their parents all also had a house. But yeah, I was pretty lucky. And the, while I was on that trip, so the governor, I got to know him and I talked talk to him. Before the in the tourism industry, they always just said, "Oh, Alaska is good for a hundred days in the summertime, from Memorial Day to Labor Day, hundred yeah. days, and then to lock it up." And uh, and I said, "No, Alaska has so much potential, especially Anchorage, because where I'm from in Bavaria, climate is fairly similar. It's right. not much, not that's not, uh, not much warmer." And so while I was on the trip with the governor, um, I said, "You know, we could also promote the off season and the in the fall and winter and." Uh, and uh, then also talked about the international marketing because we were the air crossroads of the world. There was mm. at one time 13 international airlines flying from Europe via Anchorage to Asia. Uh, all Sabina and KLM and British Airways and uh, and Lufthansa and SES and all the different carriers. So I said that we can really capitalize on that. <laughs> Alone the crew business was good because yeah. they all had to lay over here. Right. Yeah. Yeah, but, but these were f commercial flights for people, not not uh, yep. cargo. Cargo. Yeah, have cargo, but the cargo was the, 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 the not the, the main factor. Okay, it was yeah. primarily which was it is that now, that, right? Yeah, yeah. Which the is opposite now. now. Yeah. 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 yeah, is there yeah, only Lufthansa, the, right? Does that the flight it, from here to Condor or Condor? Yeah, Condor, Condor. in the summer. 
Condor, yeah, it's, that's the way I just came over last week. Oh, you did? On, 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 yeah. the, on the polar flight, that's, uh, the, but they only come here during the summer. Right. It makes it, it, and it takes about nine and a half, ten hours. Uh, yeah. From so Dusseldorf? You, from, uh, from Frankfurt to Anchorage. Or Frankfurt, yeah. And uh, so you, uh, I boarded my flight at two o'clock in, in Frankfurt uh, two in the afternoon and arrived here about 1.45, uh, but 50 minutes before, because uh, <laughs> you gained 10 hours. Uh, yeah. Yes. So, but on the way back, you got paid back. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's right, that's right. <laughs> That's right. That's right. But anyway, so that's right. Oh, yeah. yeah. I love it. Yeah. Although I wish I was warned about getting to that flight early because they almost gave my seats away. I think I was there like two hours and 10 minutes. And like, no, no, no. You have to get here earlier than this. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it was right before Oktoberfest. So I think it was pretty, pr- probably a popular time for Sep- Alaskans. Sep- Sep- September is a good time to travel. It, it was in wonderful. In Europe, actually, I've told most Europeans uh, st- uh, come in the fall, you know, September, October, November, or come in spring. But in the summertime, don't go to Europe because it uh, gets too crowded and too hot. And uh, mm. but uh, but for the Europeans, uh, of course, summer is the main attraction. Even though I've even helped promote winter tourism primarily with a helicopter skiing at Alaska because that's something they don't offer. Over in most ski resorts, it's against the law to fly helicopters around uh, alpine villages and so on. So, oh, so really? We, so we were able to, uh, that's when we started uh, forming the Chukach Powder Guys. Oh, okay. Yeah. You were, so you were a part of the formation of that? Yeah. yeah. It was my friend Dave Henry. Uh, he was my avalanche technician. When I came, when, when I managed hotels, oh, Chris, uh, I think uh, I can put together a package uh, with the helicopter, and if yeah. And then, of course, he hit me up for good rates in the hotel. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah. And uh, so then we packaged it, and it really went over quite well. And, yeah. Uh, it, so it uh, now it has grown, and then later it started all in Valdez and other places. But Chugach Powder Gates was one of the first ones to really start it up. Yeah, that's so awesome. Uh, I'm gonna have you move the mic a little bit closer that way. Yeah. When you're speaking to Jack, thanks. Sorry. There um, we go, Chris. Yeah, I haven't been up with them yet, but I would I would really like to. Uh, I'm friends with a, a bunch of my dad's <laughs> buddies. Then they all, when I was in college, they were buying um, you know a million vertical miles at a time, hundred thousand each oh, kind yeah. of thing. And I was like, oh, when I graduate, I'm in on this. And so I was so excited. I get I get home from college. I'm like, all right, where's my checkbook? And they and they switched the policies and stopped doing the pay by the, the footage it, it became popular in, in Canada at the uh, CMH Canadian Mountain Holidays they had these 100,000 uh, vertical oh. I mean, or a million vertical then they get a blue suit and so on so oh yeah so. yeah yeah. <laughs> but, but, but now, nowadays it ain't cheap anymore. no 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 oh man no way yeah changed a lot yeah, it did yeah, <laughs> yeah so you did. guys really pioneered the heli skiing that was part of the program, yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. And uh, I remember even while, while we had that, uh, one day I get a call from uh, the mayor of Valdez, and uh, uh, his name was Bill Walker. And um, he says, uh, <laughs> uh, he says, Chris, can you and your mountain manager come over to Valdez? We want to build a ski area. And uh, think about, they want to do something similar like uh, Juno did with Eagle Crest, you know. And, oh, okay. Uh, and, uh, and so I flew over with, uh, and they arranged everything around the, on the ground once we got there had the helicopters standing by and we checked out all the terrain but it uh, the area even though now I just recently read the paper someone is thinking about again building oh, a, really? ski, a ski area mm. but I, at that time I said uh, I don't think Valdez is quite ready yet because they get too much snow right and uh, where they would oh. have had to uh, to wanted to build it uh, to, uh, the base area and uh, the snow loads uh, the factors and so I said Mr. Mayor uh, at that time uh, 
I think uh, I would recommend to start out with the heli skiing. Um, mm. And he says, uh, there you don't have all the capital investment and, uh, and you get the customer. And, they, and uh, then if you really see that uh, there is uh, good opportunities that you can really explore any, any places where you might want to consider in the future. So, and initially they were a little disappointed, that, uh, but I wrote, yeah. a, I wrote a follow-up report and I just told them that the economics uh, to, to run a whole ski area, it really would require a lot of capital support from the, from the city. And right. uh, later when, uh, when the pipeline then uh, started becoming, they, they probably could have afforded to uh, right. lose, lose money. Eagle Crest still hasn't made uh, most of them not much money either. Right. Uh, of course, Alyeska didn't either for many years. <laughs> right, right. It took a while, I, I, didn't I, it? As I, I wrote in my book, yeah. I was struggling actually when, when after I left, uh, well, let me backtrack. Uh, so then the governor appointed me as director of tourism. So I was based down in Juneau and, uh, and promoted uh, Alaska and was just getting ready for the winter, I mean, for the centennial. Because it was, uh, it was appointed there in 1966 and 1967. It was the 100-year celebration of the purchase of Alaska from the Russia. And uh, so I uh, got really involved in that to really help promote Alaska. To, uh, and we had a good, uh, pretty good budget. Uh, the first time, I remember I was the first one ever in Alaska that bought a Super Bowl ad. Uh, in, in the, oh, no way! In, in, in a television for 60 seconds. And that was a very... Uh, first time, and we had a fantastic footage with uh, the the flying and the cruises and the fishing and the and the, I mean, it's spectacular. There was one of the best edited uh, 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 commercial, I mean, uh, film footage uh, of Alaska. And uh, so I said, "This one we're gonna." At that time, a commercial with uh, the Super Bowl cost, but uh, for for a sixty second cost five hundred thousand. Now. For thirty seconds, this these days, thirty second costs three million, and for sixty second costs five five point five. So, but at that time, five hundred thousand was a lot, lot right, of money. Right, right. Oh man! Yeah, yeah. Initially, some I got some flack from you know some of the naysayers. Oh, you can't spend the money like that. Yeah, yeah. But when we released it nationwide. Uh, in Alaska, we showed it more than anywhere else, and everyone in Alaska was so proud. They said, "Can we get a footage?" Because we yeah. want to send our friends and relatives. So, yeah. but that was uh, a great part of uh, promoting Alaska, and including, of course, then we also re- referenced to Russia and uh, how Alaska was purchased in yeah, 1867 yeah. for seven point two million dollars, and uh, and anyhow. So this was. Uh, I had uh, that job uh, and uh, really enjoyed my t- tourism uh, director and um, traveled all over and promoted. <laughs> but it seemed like I always uh, have new opportunities come up. While I was uh, uh, director of tourism, the chairman of Alaska Airlines, uh, I got to know him pretty well, Charlie Willis. And he says, Chris, if you have any ideas how we could um, promote more winter tourism, and then I said, well, there's a small ski area called Alaska down in, uh, in Gertrude. Uh, eventually, if that would be developed and build a hotel and so on, that uh, would help a little bit to get some uh, skier traffic, so winter tourism started. Uh, and uh, <coughs> then a little bit later, I got to meet the Frenchman who actually originally invested in uh, Alaska, Francois de Gunsberg, and... Uh, and uh, he was the one initially bought it in 19, 
uh, invested in 1959, 1960. And that was like the 11 people that bought the land? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, All right. I can see you read the book. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It was, I mean, it's a page turner. Mo- mo- most people have been sometimes uh, ask me some questions. Oh, it's in the book. Oh, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> As CJ, he heard that comment. <laughs> so, so, like, someone was trying to make the bid on the on that land, but then the Girdwood guys came in and bid over, right? Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. It, it is enough. One of the fellows was uh, was a uh, pilot, uh, flying a Piper pilot, uh, and uh, and uh, his name was Ernie Bauman. Oh yeah. And uh, and uh, as you saw, reference to it, we have it had another book we which I uh, commissioned before called uh, Alaska's Perfect Mountain, where it's a, uh-huh. story, a story about Ernie Bauman. Now the wife that after my my first wife passed away uh, and uh, 20 years ago then uh, my present wife her maiden name was Bauman. oh really yeah, so that was a kind of co- yeah. coincidence oh, yeah. but wow. anyhow he was flying around and then he wanted to buy it but then uh, the local 12 uh, the, the gang of 12 uh, the, uh, they outbid him uh, to buy the by the 230 uh, wait a minute uh, there was 160 acres uh, for uh, the ski area and then later leased uh, from the state of Alaska 233 acres for the subdivision. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And then but wasn't Bowman like the original pioneer of that mountain, though, for skiing? He was the one who initially uh, picked the, uh, the the area and said, this makes a good skier. Right, right, right. So he was a pioneer in that regard, yep, but yep. he never had a chance then to. And then, unfortunately, he got killed in an airplane crash. Right, right, yeah. right. That was very sad. I would have loved to meet the man. Yeah. Yep. So, like up in the um, up on the top there at the top of the tram, where, where there's the, all those historical pictures of like the the first landings and stuff, um, like right before they they built the fr- the roundhouse first up there and so, the first chairlift. Yeah. Uh-huh. So, so who would be in those pictures? Well, there one of the original investors was this Francois de Gunsberg, this, okay. this Frenchman, yeah, who actually uh, the the local the, the gang from Girdwood uh, hired a gal uh-huh. to find an investor to be able to build yeah it. yeah and uh, so then after traveling around she in denver colorado she met this frenchman who was a multimillionaire and uh and uh, so and she told him about the area and so he came up and uh and he liked what he saw and, right right and, and he he's the one originally built then the, the french uh made her chairlift uh pomogolski was the brand name and, oh okay uh, and that time was the longest chairlift in the united states uh, uh chair one was, yeah chair one really yeah, yeah. and uh and so it uh definitely uh, was a, a start even though the population of anchorage was very little uh, yeah and uh believe me after quite a few years running it then had a few rope toes and, and built the day lodge and in 63 they hosted the first uh, u.s national championships oh, okay uh, and there uh, was also in preparation that they had for the winter olympics the following year in 64 but uh, but anyhow yeah that's the way and uh, then but uh, the frenchman and after a while he got discouraged uh, with uh, it was pretty tough business and the biggest challenge of all for me running the resort was the weather factor and because we were frankly unfortunately just about a thousand feet too low Mm. Oh, because we're basically we, we are the sea low, lowest skier in the world, a major ski area. We're only 100 meters or 300 feet above sea level. 250 feet of uh, is our base station. When I tell that to Europeans, they think you must be crazy. It can't be possible. And uh, and uh, believe me, uh, unfortunately, because of the Japanese current and the occasion we get the monsoon season coming mm-hmm. in, and sometimes we had some great snow conditions, and all once. Uh, uh, then the rain came and uh, sometimes right Washes in Christmas time and uh, yeah. 
I'm not sure you remember that. Uh, it, it just sometimes, my wife said my mood went up down by the barometer. <laughs> 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 it, it was tough uh, to. Uh, yeah, I bet. Yeah. yeah. I wonder, where, yeah sorry. Go ahead. Would you, would, would you have changed where it was built? Would have changed? Yeah, if you could go back and, and put it somewhere else. Good question. Interesting enough, the ideal area is just a thousand meters or about 3,000 uh, feet further up in, in the Winter Creek area. Uh, yeah, you think Winter Creek? Yeah. Oh. Abs absolutely, mm -hmm. because that is about uh, six, 700 feet higher. Uh -huh. It has more intermediate terrain. Alaska was always known to be an advanced mountain. Right. And mm -hmm. uh, for, mm -hmm. to make it a profitable area, you need intermediate <laughs> Uh, terrain and uh, and it has about two and a half times uh, the ski area terrain that Alaska has. So it would have been just we would have had to run the the road further up the yeah. valley. And uh, by that that time, that was you know uh, that was even more of an expense. And uh, yeah, a little too late. Yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, but it still can be done. You think we, it will we, be? We, oh, yeah. And there, there were mining claims, uh, gold mining claims, yep. and then uh, we convinced the city to buy out the mining claims so that uh, we had for a while. Uh, mm -hmm. We're really promoting, to, especially when we were bidding for the Winter Olympics, uh, right. as, as you may know, that's also in the book. Yep. Uh, yep. <laughs> yeah. I want to get into that. Let's take a quick break, okay. and we'll get back into uh, building for the Olympics. Okay. All right. Barney Sports Chalet, supplying hunters with the best hand-selected gear since 1963. Barney specializes in supplying hunters with the absolute best Alaskan-proven gear on the market for some of nature's most rugged and demanding terrain. Whether you're headed to the remote volcanic islands of the Alaska Peninsula in search of a brown bear, or the shale-infested glacial valleys of the Brooks Range for dull sheep, it is critical you choose the right gear for your dream hunt. Don't miss Barney's exclusive brand, Frontier Gear of Alaska. Tested from the high mountains of Tajikistan to the extreme conditions of Alaska. These products were designed for high performance and durability. Frontier Gear was derived from decades of experience hunting big game in Alaska. Paired with other top brands, it provides you the absolute best gear selection anywhere in the world. Stop in at Barney Sports Chalet in Anchorage on Northern Lights or check out their custom website and reference tool at barneysports.com. The Alaska chapter of Backcountry Hunters and Anglers. BHA is the voice of our Alaska public lands, waters, and wildlife. From national level policy work to engagement with boots on the ground projects from Kotzebue to Ketchikan. BHA performs public land cleanups, hunting and fishing clinics, and community education to help take your game to the next level. BHA's community-minded goal is to uphold our hunting and fishing legacy while keeping wild lands wild and fostering the next generation of sportsmen and women for years to come. Make sure to follow BHA Alaska for upcoming events, local brewery pint nights, and more. Stand up for Alaska public lands and waters by supporting the Alaska chapter of Backcountry Hunters and Anglers. Join us today at backcountryhunters.org. The Treehouse AK, your one-stop dispensary located at 341 Boniface Parkway. Be sure to ask the bud tender about their deal of the day because honestly, there's always something good on deck. And guys, listen, this is where the culture lives. At the Treehouse, their dedication to servicing consumers has been developed through a lifetime of involvement in the cannabis culture. They're committed to providing the highest quality products at whatever value your budget affords, while always maintaining the deep-rooted principles that have carried them this far. Their focus is on relationships over transactions, and you can always depend on them to treat you with the respect you deserve. Hit them up at thetreehouseak.com, and remember, you must be 21 years of age to enter their store. 
Hey, now I've got to give uh, the primary credit. They did put some money into the Nordic Spa. All right, welcome uh, back, guys. That's about a $15, $16 million investment. Uh, a couple of uh, turn events before we jump back into the story. Uh, we got the Slam and Salmon Derby on June 7th. Uh, go down there and sign up. We do, are still going to do our giveaway with the VIP passes for those people. And then also want to mention the full draw film tour um, is coming to Alaska June 14th at the Centennial Center in Fairbanks and June 16th in Anchorage at the Alaska Performing Arts. And what is that? That's the full draw film tour. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. The bow hunting one? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, sweet. Yeah, no, so we're linking up with those guys to just help promote and get the word out. And help yeah, them quick out. correction, just uh, so we're on par with our uh, sponsor, the Bait Shack. Uh, Slam and Salmon Derby, June 9th through June 17th. Oh, did I say 7th? Uh, 7th, yeah. Okay. No, yeah, you're, you're, you're fine. I just wanted to clarify that it is that that chunk of time that you can come and participate in the uh, derby by a ticket. And like Daniel said earlier, we'll be, be we'll be promoting a little video, and we'll have a giveaway for some VIP passes that are going to give you a uh, derby ticket. Come down between those dates, June 9th to seventeenth, and uh, catch King. Maybe win a gold nugget. One of the awesome things. things they do down there at the bait shack, bait shack is the youth day. Yeah, the kids, kids day. Kids When's day. that going down? Twenty. Does it say on there? Like no, on there? I want to say it's like the twenty third. Yeah, Kids Day is really awesome. All the kids get to fish for free, and he always has like some food down there and hot chocolate and all that you stuff for the uh, for okay. the uh, for the kiddos. Um, so that'll be good. So look into that. Yeah, yeah. I definitely um, want to take the kids down this year for that one. Uh, Saturday, June seventeenth. June seventeenth. Yep, that's, that's the last day of the derby. Yep, I won't be. And that's there a yet. huge. That's <laughs> a huge event. Um, free food, hot dogs, giveaways. Um, it's just a fun family yeah. event and, and something to get the kids out and you don't have to have a rod and reel. You don't need to have waiters. You don't need to have anything. You can just bring the kids down and, uh, Dustin Slinker's team bait shack. They have everything that you need to, uh, get a line wet and, uh, see if you can get, uh, get the kiddos a king and win some cool stuff. Yep. Yep. If you're in town, do that. Yep. For sure. For sure. Um, Chris. So you mentioned gearing up for the Olympics. Are you talking about gearing up to try to get the Olympics to come to the Alaska? Now? Uh, th back then. Back then. Back then, yes. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, I was, uh, as I say, I was raised in an Olympic uh, resort. Actually, my uncle, who was a bobsledder too, he was also the International Olympic Committee member for Germany. And so I had a pretty good uh, idea of what it takes to uh, host the Winter Olympics. Uh, and I... I, my first one that I personally attended was in Italy, Cortina Tampezzo, where they had it in 1956. Uh, and I, I, I was quite impressed with that one. I was just a young uh, young boy, but I really watched them uh, carefully. Then I moved in 1959 uh, to America. In 1960, they had it in Squaw Valley, California. Mm. And, uh, and again, I, I observed that I lived at that time in California, I, I, and I really followed it uh, and so then, uh, since then, did you I go to some events? In, in Cortina, I did. In, in, in uh, Squaw Valley, I was able to go for one, one, uh, two days, uh, okay. uh, get away from my job, but nice. I couldn't uh, st stay for longer. But uh, 
But again, here a place like Squaw Valley, which had no no infrastructure, no uh, major uh, uh, developments around there, and their manager and uh, entrepreneur, he managed to pull it off to get the get the commitment from the the state and uh, and uh, the and the federal government eventually to build that I mean, to host the Winter Olympics, and that really blew. I mean, that really invested and uh, impressed me because in Europe, many of the areas were really more established, uh, mm. but Squaw Valley wasn't so anyhow over the years and i moved up here to alaska and then i, I watched again the, the winter olympics that was in 1984 in the in, in in yugoslavia mm. and uh, and again another small town when i compared sarajevo i did a statistic analysis the population the access etc etc compared to anchorage alaska which at that time was the air crossroads of the world um, uh, and uh, and i felt uh, we had a bigger population base we had a better infrastructure really than sarajevo or like squaw valley so i thought uh, we we could do it and so i really uh, made a list of all the pros and cons and uh, and then I got together with uh, my advertising agency, uh, Rick Maestrom, which was at that time uh, the account. Ex- I mean, he uh, had the Maestrom advertising. This was before he was mayor, and uh, and we had lunch at the Corsair restaurant. And I, I really told him that this is something we we should be able to put together. And uh, and uh, he got caught fire. And then I convinced the board of directors of ACVB, the tourism organization, the. And they they got uh, got uh, enthusiastic about it, so pretty soon the the idea got uh, got uh, rolling. And uh, yes, uh, let's put together a plan and let's see if we can get the the commitment from the U.S. Olympic Committee after we have a good plan. And uh, and so uh, we we worked hard. Uh, and uh, I got to give Rick Maestrom credit and a lot of other people that from, uh, including Ted Stevens, Tony Knowles, uh, mayor at the time, and. Uh, and uh, Ted was already in the Senate uh, and getting money for the, for the, uh, for the hosting the Winter Olympics. So it it it, it really took a, and it was during the eighties when we were going through that. And at that time, the economy was down, and uh, and this was the one thing that people really got enthusiastic. Right? That, uh, wow, mm-hmm. there's something. Uh, and uh, so when we finally uh, uh, were ready to, uh, we had to go to the. U.S. Olympic Committee, which was at that time, I had a meeting in Indianapolis, uh, of all places. But uh, <laughs> uh, and uh, and there we made our presentation, and there were four or five other places, uh, including Salt uh, Salt Lake City and uh, and the Lake Placid, and uh, I forget now what other U.S. cities were. But, and uh, so uh, and after uh, make a long story short, after we came back and. Uh, we we had a feeling that uh, we made a good uh, impression if we mm-hmm. talked to the other people and uh, and sure enough then we got notified that uh, we were selected by the U.S. Olympic not the International Olympic Committee the U.S. Olympic okay. Committee okay. as a site for the 1990 this was in '85 uh, when we, uh, they, they have to make seven years in advance uh, yeah, okay. Uh, okay. Sele- select bid, select right? the site uh, mm-hmm. so in '85 they they awarded us that we could be the host for the. 1992 Winter Olympics, uh, and uh, wow, that we just uh, I mean, the whole town got all yeah. excited. Yeah. Oh yeah, stoked. Down at the Park Strip, they had big uh, celebrations and so on. So that, and at that time, it, it was like the one big uh, project that for for Anchorage and Alaska, and so, and uh, then. Uh, we knew that uh, other uh, uh, European and other areas were competing. 
Well, the first time uh, we didn't quite have the international connections when we went to the international in Lausanne, Switzerland, where we were bidding uh, for the. Uh, we had to go then the following fall and uh, okay and uh, submit. There was a half a dozen other European and uh, countries that were bidding on it. And at that time, that uh, Jean Claude Kelly, I'm not sure if you know him. He was uh, the, the one of the winners French alpine ski racers. He won more gold medals than just about anybody, and he he had the connections and uh, uh. with the Inter oh. International Olympic Committee more than we did at that time. So, so we finally uh, we we came at that time. I think third or uh, third or fourth, but uh, we. Learned a lot, and uh, and it's interesting. Enough, at that time, they just switched it so there would be the, the next opportunity was in 1994 because they tried to separate the winter and summer oh, Olympics. Right. And they're not the same year, so yeah. so oh, we, right. uh, so as a result, they said they moved up. Uh, so we again submitted our bed and plans to the U.S. Olympic Committee and uh, and uh, really put even more effort into it and had even more refined details and and there they pretty well. Picked us again that uh, oh, yeah. over oh, wow. over Salt Lake over uh, others uh, that uh, we got again there uh, not from the U.S. Olympic Committee, and then I had to go to the International Olympic Committee, and this time we came so close. We came within one vote. Oh, oh my wow. goodness! Really, and, he was and, that close. And you know who, who the vote was? Was for one of the two International Olympic Committee members from America. <gasps> what? He was from Salt Lake, and he thought if Anchorage gets it, then uh, then uh, Salt Lake City wouldn't get it. Uh, and they, they were also planning. They were one of the bidding countries. Oh. So he voted ag against us, and, uh, and that was we, we, it, basically it was know. fairly secret. But uh, was uh, it, it Matt Romney? No. No. <laughs> 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 uh, 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 <laughs> By the way, a bit Romney later became uh, actually the host uh, during the uh, yeah uh, yeah. So I I always yeah. just associate with him with him for some reason no, no, with no, us no. not getting the Olympics. No, no, I don't no. know why, but no, 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 no. <laughs> he, he was uh, when when they had it in two thousand two. The uh, was it two thousand two? Yeah, two yeah. two uh, yeah two thousand two. And uh, but anyhow, but uh, uh, that one was a shocker for us. Oh and, uh, man! And then uh, then that we figured, was like a heartbreaker. You know, it was. I mean, it, versus it, the other one, we're like, okay, we're in. Yeah. Yeah, we got our, you know, we're on, we're on the map, and then there's, and we had to, we had a good plan, and uh, yeah. So, so, but uh, but I have to admit, you know, to make a long story short, now I would not even want to bid for Anchorage and for for Alaska anymore. It's too way 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 too expensive. Uh, now only the big cities do it. Uh, mm. And when when they had the Winter Olympics in Vancouver, and uh, that was in two thousand two. There, there, it was a year after the nine eleven, and uh, mm -hmm. and uh, as a result. The security requirement alone to host them for for Vancouver was eight hundred fifty million dollars. Oh, all the, and uh, that's before many many other things. Uh, yeah, and uh, and nowadays you know when cities like Sochi or Beijing and uh, mm -hmm. I mean uh, to me Beijing didn't have anything to do with right winter. I mean it just uh, yeah. it was so. But uh, I think uh, uh, many other cities in Europe and uh, they are turning down the Winter Olympics too because it just got too out of hand, too expensive to to do it. And I, I think yeah, here uh, at here I think you would probably not find the same enthusiasm as we did uh, thirty years ago when we were first bidding on it. What what our infrastructure? Would it have boomed had we gotten the bid it, the years prior as far as building the hotels and, and 
uh, maybe even add-ons to Alyeska, do you think there would have been some huge infrastructure improvements? It that definitely would have, would have uh, yeah. including uh, Ted Stevens was really pushing for uh, getting a high-speed train from Anchorage to to Girdwood, uh, uh, and because uh, even later he supported that concept because he forget the, uh, but it. Uh, Probably would have had much sooner uh, more improvements on the Seward Highway in order to. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh yeah, and uh, there would have been definitely a lot of uh, improvements in Anchorage, where the ski jump would have been in Arctic Valley and so on. And uh, oh yeah, yeah, that, that's uh, so. Alaska, uh, we were only for the alpine events, but all the other events from skating, to hockey to uh, ski jumping, uh, <sighs> yeah, most every ninety percent of the activity would have been in South in, in Anchorage and surrounding. So we would have had yeah. some badass hockey rinks. And yeah. yeah, oh, all yeah. Kinds of stuff yeah. Built. And, and oh. f- at that time, uh, Uncle Ted could have come through with the funding. Oh, uh, yeah. And, uh, yeah. So, uh, so at that wow. time, it was uh, was the right time. And uh, but nowadays, I says, I guess maybe I'm getting older, get more skeptical. I just figured that it, uh, it wasn't meant to be. I guess. Yeah. So. Yeah. I'm sorry to say that as much as I had my heart into it, I Yo, that yeah, would have you been. Did. Yeah. But uh, we still uh, for Alaska, we're still looking for the long term the Winter Creek uh, Glacier yeah. Creek development. The, the, right now, we just do heli skiing in that region, but yeah. uh, that eventually could be developed for another major uh, alpine ski area. That'd be great. Yeah, the cat skiing back there is really good too. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Is there um, a place maybe that you visited that you think that would be great for the next Winter Olympics or one of the Winter Olympics coming up? Uh, let me see uh, if that hasn't hosted yet. Uh, not sure who right now is in the running anymore. Uh, in, uh, in the U.S., uh, even Denver didn't want it anymore. Uh, they, oh. they 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 had it uh, once bid and then the people voted against it and uh, oh. and uh, and Lake Placid maybe in New York would probably still want to do it because they got uh, a lot of the infrastructure there they yeah. they hosted at one time they went to Olympics uh, and the, on the West Coast uh, Salt Lake maybe would be interested in doing it again uh, but as far as a new area. Uh, I am not quite sure because, as I said, uh, nowadays the infrastructure, maybe the cost is so much more than ever before. So I don't think there are too many real, yeah. uh, real potential sites yeah. that I can think of. I'm, I'm curious, actually, who is next uh, on it uh, when that works again? Um, I wonder if they'll ever break it up. Like this World Cup coming up is the first time they've broken up the World Cup to go across three countries to kind of split up that cost and and, yeah. and involve more countries and all that. You know, get get more viewers the opportunity to go to World Cup. But that would be like a cool little aspect. I mean, why do why do the Nordic skiers need to be at the same place as the Alpine skiers and the, as the figure skaters? Why not? have it hosted in multiple cities in europe uh, they have that concept where italy uh, uh, austria and uh, which was the third one switzerland they were going to do uh, all three countries working together but they're all within uh, hundreds right uh, you yeah. can stand on the ski resort and go to uh, so it, it's still yeah. a distance but uh, yeah uh, but uh, they they because of the cost uh, right amongst other things with and uh, and with this this way they wouldn't have to build everything up from from scratch just in a, one community like yeah. at that time was yeah. required you know, growing up here and not having like, like a sports team, 
when we were doing the 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 bids when you were doing the bids we you know all the anchorage people everyone in alaska knew about it right and i remember that being like this fun spirit as a young kid like oh we might get the olympics you know we're going for it and it was just like this like pride for your city kind of thing i really enjoyed that well i take pride to good old rick meister in one of my uh, notation there he he did say that uh uh for the rest of his life, Chris should be proud of the leadership he exhibited from the very start of our Olympic bid. The people of Alaska will never forget his role in making Anchorage Olympics bids happen. So from Rick Maestro, yeah, so that's that right. meant a lot to me. Yeah, uh, and and then Tony Knowles also was involved in that one, and he had his comments. So, but it is what it is. But uh, we can host uh, World uh, Cup uh, Alpine Championships. We can have hockey champion Nordic thing. So we can focus on more individual events rather than doing it all together. Yeah. And I think uh, that again promotes a lot more and actually it's more e- easily doable. And, right. Uh, yeah. And it, and it gives people access to another sport too. You know, if you're like a hockey player and they're hosting the, the Nordic races, then it's like you go look at those. So you're not used to Nordic. You get to learn a little bit about it. Maybe you want to try on a pair of skate skis and get after it. <laughs> yeah. So the 2026 is Milan and Cortina de Ampeso. In Italy, Cortina Tempezzo, Milan, yeah, and yeah. They're, they're pretty far apart, you know. Okay, they're still, uh, and so looks that's twenty twenty six, right? Yeah, yeah, that's correct. And they don't have what? Who's after that? Doesn't say. Mm-mm. No, it doesn't. So the year that we lost it, we were really close. Who ended up winning it? Salt Lake, Lillehammer. Lillehammer, nineteen ninety four. Lillehammer got in in ninety two uh, was Albert Will France uh, won it, mm-hmm. uh, and in ninety four was Lillehammer, and they did a good job. I mean, uh, for, for, and that's where our Tommy Moe raced at yeah. Alaska. He won the gold medal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The Alpine the races in the downhill and in Europe, even now, you know, over there they they follow this uh, Olympic. I mean, Alpine skiing is the leading sport in the and winter and the summer. It's soccer and uh, and when I say, well, we're from Alaska. Oh yeah, you you had that Olympic ski champion um, yeah. and uh, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, then one uh, and Tommy Moe is involved uh, uh, with the Chugach, I mean, with the heli skiing operation uh, by. Tortwiller Mountain Lodge. Yeah, right, uh, right. And so he and uh, Mike Overcast, another good friend of ours that used to be also in heli skiing, and he's an investor in that lodge. Uh, they came over to, and my wife and I, I took him around and, uh, and to make some presentation to promote uh, heli skiing in Alaska. And, the, and everyone went, oh, Tommy Moe, did you know? <laughs> in 94, he won there and Lily Hammond, Norway. I can't believe it. It was here. People forget after two years who... who <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> that's it. That's in Austria. Yeah, yeah. Right. Uh, Bavaria too. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. In yeah. and Switzerland and France and in the Alpine region, there, there, there. Alpine skiing is uh, just they, they, they can remember who won what Olympic medal yeah. in what year. Uh, yeah, it's their football. Their American football. Yeah, and all the facts. Yeah. So, do you think they're going to develop Winter Creek? I think in the, may not be in my lifetime. Uh, I, as much as I would have loved to uh, see it happen, because it really is a potential great site. And again, I describe it in the book, uh, and the, and uh, we had done studies on it. Uh, and it could be done in phases. You know, we could fix it. The the road goes to the uh, to the Alp. I mean, the road on uh, Snowcat Road yep. goes there. The, and then have a couple of high speed chairlifts uh, from there. Make it that the base area. And, right. Uh, 
and uh, don't need to build a big fancy new hotel right away and everything else and uh, or you wouldn't even need to build a gondola even though gondola is nowadays uh, more popular right. uh, but uh, it uh, it would require money but uh, uh, I think a lot of infrastructure is ready in, in Alieska and, and Girdwood so that uh, they could even be based you know for people that staying in the hotel and from there it's a hop and a jump to go over yeah, there oh to yeah yeah and uh, so I, I think uh, that one, I, I still would love to see uh, if a good investor uh, uh, says, uh, I, I don't think uh, Pomeroy is, they're not really that much into alpine skiing, no. as, as you well know. Yep. And uh, that's where we got problems. Right. Uh, but uh, uh, but uh, I think another potential investor, some of those heli skiers, some of them were fairly rich guys, and some mm-hmm. of those got excited about it. Uh, but uh, it, uh, for a while, it... Uh, it uh, kind of lost a little bit of momentum, uh, but we for a while we had this Girdwood 2020 organization. That was, now it's called Girdwood Alliance, and that mm-hmm. was on top of our list of promoting it and uh, to to really advocate that this would be the great uh, future for for the expansion <coughs> of uh, of alpine skiing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was talking to a guy who uh, frequents Alaska snowboarding and has since childhood and uh he was kind of concerned i guess just sharing his personal opinion on the thought that alieska would kind of make a transition toward like an aspen where where maybe it was he likes it being the small town ski lodge Mm -hmm. feel and not the big village kind of thing yeah and he sees it going that direction in his opinion um I, d- I wouldn't know, but yeah, I mean, is that kind of like the direction in over the years, the growth and development of of Alaska? I mean, it is a very popular ski resort, but if it with the Winter Creek thing went through, I guess would that be the next step for for Girdwood to kind of really blow up more? Yeah, yeah, but to yeah. be also, you know, and I. I Got to go back directly. All been following a little bit about this Holton Hills uh, real estate development yep, in yep. Goodwood. Uh, we got l- when Goodwood got next by the municipality of Anchorage. I was that time running the resort, and uh, they inherited thousands of acres of valuable land, mm-hmm. and uh, and some of it is should be preserved for what it, what it is, like the Moose Meadows that just yeah. Uh, and but there's other areas that can be developed for real estate development, and uh, uh, and and I feel that that uh, uh, and not only the expensive units, you know, that right. the Aspen units, and I've been advocating, and uh, as people know, there is an area right below our community center of Girdwood called uh, the uh, the squirrel cages. Yep. It's uh, from there down all the way to the treatment plant. Uh, there, the sewer system runs already down there right because it was right there and that could be developed for more low-cost housing and i'm very much an advocate for that too i mean it should not just be the high end uh, right yeah and i actually recommend at the time uh, if they were uh, hlb if they had been smart enough they said okay we'll we'll let uh, the, the developer for holton hills uh, move in that direction if you also put that other parcel of land uh, which has about 100 acres of land for development the squirrel cages and they say, oh, well, but 30, 40 years ago, they thought it may be in the floodplain. Well, that can be mitigated easily. Yeah. With, uh, and uh, But you always find the reasons uh, that people... Uh, yeah, but excuses. to me, I was upset that uh, they just, uh, that uh, HLB have all this land. And uh, and uh, 
and just screwing around, and uh, and uh, and as a result, uh, the pricing, uh, and that's where people have the concern that they're becoming like an Aspen that uh, it, we're pricing ourselves out of the market. Right. And, uh, and uh, oh, okay. I, and I think that's uh, with, uh, because I really feel it's, it's a problem right now that a lot of employee, the resort had to build employee housing uh, left and right, but. I used to own the Jack Spread restaurant, and um, and my tenant he had a hell of a t- tough time. It's, he used to run seven days a week, including Sunday. I mean, a weekend brunch. Now he only runs five days a week uh, because of employee housing. Right, it's just right. tough to get. Uh, uh, so. I, I I share a little bit of the concern about uh, the Aspen concept that the mm-hmm. people had to shuttle all. We but we got plenty of land. And that's just okay. it. And uh, with the proper planning, uh, we can uh, have some high-end development, but also uh, it could be directed that it has to be um, the kind of a affordable housing, as right. we call it. Right, because, right, Because uh, where the treatment plant is and where the sewer lines run down, that is half, well, not half, but a third of the cost is just around the infrastructure down there. And oh, it, for sure. And um, because that's the most expensive part of it. And uh, so... I, I, I hope eventually uh, people will uh, really focus on, on make more land and, and hope HLB and MOA will, you know, because we, we got annexed uh, at that time against the will of the Gerdwedians. Uh, and mm-hmm. uh, then Mayor Sullivan appointed me as chair of the Gerdwood Board of Supervisors. And, uh, and, uh, and uh, so <laughs> I have to tell you a quick story. It's also in the book. So uh, uh, then he... He says, Chris, uh, I know the Gerdweed people weren't too happy about uh, being uh, annexed by Anchorage, uh, but we're going to do him a favor. We're going to flip a switch, and, and so you don't have to make any more long-distance calls. <laughs> it, it will be local calls. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it was about 45, 55 cents at that time. I forget what it was. I said, Mr. Mayor, that's not going to do it. <laughs> and, and, and I said, um, we're going to come back with a, a, a recommendation. If you want to get a little bit of support from the Goodwood community and, and that show that you appreciate. And I knew exactly what I had in mind because I lived there for quite a few years. Mm-hmm. And Goodwood, uh, we were all on septic tanks and yep. leach fields, and they were bubbling over because the soil conditions aren't as good. And... Uh, and you couldn't get proper financing because of that, and um, and uh, right. and so I I, uh, I figured that now uh, uh, we need to get the uh, uh, modern sewer system, mm-hmm. and uh, so I got together our board of supervisors, and uh, and then we met with the mayor again, and they said that's what we need, and uh, and I and he said, wow, that's a tall order. I, I didn't expect <laughs> that <but, laughs> because that's a, about twenty-five, thirty million dollar project uh, with the treatment plan and all the lateral line, and uh, oh yeah. And, uh, but it was a necessity. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it was absolutely essential. Without that, uh, we would have gone down the drain. A little yeah. speaking. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so anyhow, and they said, "Okay, well, let me have my staff, AWU, uh, work on the design phase and see if we can come up with a plan to if that's uh, something feasible." And uh, so he did. I got to give him credit for that. And uh, he says, and, "And I'll work with the state government uh, to see." But he says. I know you get a friend uh, that could help on the federal side. I said, oh, and I played dumb. He says, <laughs> 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 it comes easy for me. So, uh, uh, so uh, he says, yes, I know you You can talk to the Senator Ted Stevens because he, he's been down at Alyeska a lot of time at the cabin and so on, and he knew the problem that uh, he's a oh, yeah. personal First friend hand, ever since yeah. I was in the legislature, when he was a legislature and I was director of tourism. I've known him for a long time. 
So I said, okay, I'll once you could do the engineering analysis, then I can send him something a package, you know, and uh, uh, I can uh, I can talk to him <laughs> over a glass of wine or two. Is it uh, <laughs> <laughs> maybe uh, that, a bottle? That, that's a good idea, <laughs> a bottle or two. But, uh, <laughs> but it got to be good red wine. Uh, <laughs> that's right. Uh, but uh, they said we got to have a plan, and uh, and uh, sure enough. Uh, but uh, four or five months later, that's when the city, the, the AW, came up with a plan. And, uh, the, and then he says, uh, the mayor called me and says, bring your board of supervisors to the conference room in Anchorage, and the AW will give you a, a presentation. And uh, so then, uh, and so they had it pretty well engineered. I got him credit. Uh, and the, and I forget now what the, f uh, they, they only had construction estimates. Uh, but uh, so they did, uh, so it finally said, well, we're going to pursue state grants and federal grants, and then uh, probably a, a small percentage would have to pay by, by their local property owners, uh, which was fine. And uh, so then uh, when I had the cost factor, and then I, I sent it to the, t uh, well, actually, I discussed it with the center when he was here, and then I sent him the package, and uh, and less than uh, Seven weeks later, he says, "Chris, uh, we got the funding. Uh, we got the federal Approved. grants. Seventy-five uh, percent federal grants. Oh, seventy-five percent! Wow! And then <laughs> the state uh, agreed to a twelve point five percent state grant, and the rest would have had to be paid by. Well, the municipality itself said, "Well, we have all the expense in, in engineering design. That's for our costs." And then the property owners had to pay twelve point five percent over. 25 years oh, at, at nice. a very low interest rate. Oh, yeah. um, so right. it was very affordable. Yeah, yeah. And no one balked at that, really, right? The fact that there no. was going to be a yeah, modern no, sewage there, there, system. There are a few locals in Goodwood. Oh, sure. There are always a few. <laughs> oh, we don't need yeah, yeah, I, I, I shit in a bucket. I, We're fine. I, I got my septic tank working. <laughs> just shit is not flowing downhill yet. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I still got a couple of years in that thing. <laughs> so... Anyhow, that, but uh, that's and then in the seventies uh, we built uh, uh, built uh, the, the the sewer system or the AWU and I gave credit they did a good job with the treatment plant with the la it also improved our roads before many of their roads were just half hazardous there mm -hmm. were still big logs in the middle of uh, and it was just buried on the gravel and so that there was not exactly the whole uh, village when it first was developed it was all on a shoestring and uh, oh, I, yeah and that was part of the shoestring operation <laughs> 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 but, uh, but uh, eventually we we start pr making progress and so it uh, I think then uh, you could get financing for, for homes uh, through the uh, and uh, it made all the difference in the world. Uh, yeah, that uh, is an important factor. Why did Anchorage annex them? I think they just thought uh, that is a good deal for the Anchorage, and it was a good deal. Yeah, but they uh, they, they, they sat on that land for a long, long, long time. It took us ten years to put the deal together to build the Alaska Prince Hotel and get eighty acres of land. Uh, and uh, and as I say, we almost uh, the. The Japanese, uh, they almost walked away uh, right. because it just was uh, over there. The owner in Japan and uh, was used to if he made a purchase a piece of property within uh, six months a year, get all the government approval and moved yeah. ahead. And right. and uh, we uh, developed a pretty good rapport with him, you know. And uh, and but uh, uh, at one time he was considered the richest man in the world. Uh, oh, really? By Forbes magazine, yeah. Before, but oh, wow. uh, how do you make all this money? Uh, in uh, 
after the war, they, he, his father actually developed the real estate in, uh, and then went in the department stores. Then he went to, uh, in the Sabre Railway. But uh, and, and, and by the time I got to know him, we made a pitch for it to sell Alaska from Alaska Airlines when I yeah. put this together at that time. They owned 27 ski areas. They owned 45 Prince Hotels in, in, in Japan alone. Uh-huh. And, uh, and uh, But uh, he was uh, very successful. And at that time, they... Uh, they, they, the economy was just booming in the 70s uh, and 60s, 70s, 80s. But then it took a nosedive yeah. too, uh, like mm-hmm. so many times um, yeah. uh, elsewhere. 86, 87, 88, something like that. Yeah, oil price. Yeah. But uh, I was going to say that one of my toughest time was in the 70s before we made the deal with uh, with uh, Cebu Prince Hotels in uh at that time, uh, the pipeline was getting built, and as I mentioned earlier, and uh, at that time, uh, we, 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 all our staff, uh, the mechanics, the cooks, the, the 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 housekeepers, and so they all said, "Hey, Chris, we love love you, uh, but we're out of here. We're going to get three times, four times as much money uh, working at the pipeline." I had to import people from stateside, from farming land, uh, yeah. uh, and uh, and uh, have to sign contracts and had to find uh, condos where I could house them and so on. It uh, it was a tough uh, tough part of uh, of surviving that. Right. Yeah, even though I supported the the pipeline and uh, I voted uh, wherever I could right. uh, because it really felt it made good sense for and uh, but uh, for running a resort at that time it was a tough uh, tough uh, situation as far as staffing is yeah. concerned. Yeah. You made them sign the contract so they couldn't work on the pipeline. <coughs> yeah. yeah, smart. Smart. <laughs> so they were on like a salary then. And, and you know what nowadays in the last 10 20 years is very uh, uh, very traditional in most uh, hotels and the resorts they bring in what they call J1 visa employees from Europe yeah. mm-hmm. from right po- yep. from Poland mm-hmm. from different mm-hmm. parts and uh, and there they they sign an agreement that they would work and stay with you uh, the only thing you have to have is employee housing you know that uh, give them a place but, to stay uh, but if you have the housing you can import them and they they can uh, the, many of them are still students too, but this is mm-hmm. part of the education there. Uh, so they, they call them J1 visa employees, and they normally stay for three to six months, and uh, and that uh, that uh, helped us in the in the in the last 10, 20 years a lot to uh, not only the resort but also the the restaurants and the, the like Jack Spread uh, he's been hiring them or okay. or even uh, even a bake shop. Uh, oh, so, yeah, all right, yeah, yeah. So, I see him a lot at Forty Ninth State Brewery downtown. Yeah, yeah. yep. Yeah, and Denali too, and um, yeah, all Healy. the tourism. I mean, all, yeah, and the tourism industry became pretty well mm-hmm. known that you can, in order to get uh, because a lot of times you hire local people, everyone wants to hire local people, but then they, uh, oh, fishing is good. Or, yeah, uh, I'm, I'm, oh, I gotta uh, go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, the Reds it's are coming season. in. Season, I uh, <laughs> yeah. gotta go. <laughs> yeah. What that's what was the uh, resort? vibe like during that pipeline boom was there a lot of people frequenting the resort during their breaks or off time or or was everybody just working and then in and out well i not uh, we didn't get too much of the typical uh, pipeline workers i think they 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 spend more and and on spinard road there were some hostels uh, yeah (laughs) they call those the ladies of the night oh yeah (laughs) 
to drive by those. <laughs> I believe that was uh, PJ's. Yes, Papa Joe's. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> See, I still remember those. Oh, Papa Joe's. Never saw it, but I heard lots about it. <laughs> you never got a chance to go in there? I never went to PJ's, no. My dad told me all about the place, though. Yeah, we went in there a few times. <laughs> his buddy in junior high, his dad owned it, and so they were... Regulars. They were in there, yeah, very young age, regulars. <laughs> Bush, Bush Company didn't do too, too bad either. Yeah. Yeah. The Great Alaskan Bush Company, great excuse Alaskan. me. Yeah. yeah, you don't forget the Great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's been a while since I've been to that church. I haven't been there in a minute. I haven't either, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably a good thing. Well, let's time. end this uh, show's over. We're going. <laughs> One time, you know, occasionally I had some guests or some friends. So I, I took them there to the... Bush Company, and I got to know a couple of the gals that uh, they uh, were nice and friendly. And uh, so, <laughs> one time, I, I meanwhile, I transferred to Hawaii to manage uh, for Prince Hotels in Hawaii. You know, I was uh, in charge of that, and so I had some Japanese uh, staff here that working here. And one day, uh, they went to, to the Bush Company, and uh, mm. and, and then apparently these gals. Uh, uh, where they met them there and they were talking and, and uh, they said there with Alyeska oh Alyeska we know Chris Van Imhoff uh, <laughs> 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 I got a phone call email they know you <laughs> <laughs> come hey, on he, down he has a spot right over here in the corner <laughs> yeah, the and, and I didn't cover that in my powerpoint presentation so <laughs> <laughs> that was the off the record. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's okay nowadays. It's harmless, you know. That's right. <laughs> didn't kill anybody. <laughs> um, did we finish the sale of the of the resort to Cebu? Did nope. you finish that part of the story? No, we didn't. Uh, it, it was in the late uh, seventy. I mean, in nineteen eighty, uh, I uh, was. Uh, you know, at that time, Alaska Airlines, you know, which, by the way, in the in the seventies and the sixties, they were we called them elastic airlines. Uh, they, they they were really struggling financially. They were close mm. to bankruptcy quite a few times, and uh, and I had to pretty well, uh, as I described also in the book, uh, uh, the to hawk real estate to order to be able to finance a chairlift, and uh, uh, and it was because they said, Chris, you on your own because we we got enough problems, uh, right, to, and. And only then, and, but in the late seventies, they had a management change, and uh, at that time, uh, uh, they focused really on the airline expansion and so on. Then. So in nineteen eighty, get a call from my boss, uh, the chairman of uh, Alaska Airlines, uh, uh, Ron Cosgrave and Bruce Kennedy, um, and uh, and they said, Chris, uh, we want you to talk to you, come down to Seattle, and. Uh, um, for a board meeting and uh, so then they said Chris we, we really want to focus on the airline expansion and uh, and they gave me a very nice compliment and uh, and also some bonuses uh, just because they really were happy that w how much we made progress over there we built the three four chairs yep, yep. we put the night light again we put uh, the, uh, wow. the the old Alyeska nugget in uh, yeah. it's all in the book yep. Yeah, yep. Uh, but uh, so uh, they, they and were able to uh, be able to ask her Decent price at that time, but they said, Chris, we'll give you first option if you want to put together the, some financing. And uh, and I 
I really I love the resort and I loved it. I would have loved to buy it, but it I knew it required a lot more capital to really do it right. And um, and right. Uh, I had been exposed to enough other resorts and so on, and uh, and I knew the challenge weather wise and otherwise. And uh, our market we were not in the heart of America either, and uh, and sometimes I had to admit it. So after they said Chris or find an investor with deep pockets. So I had this, and I, I, I went for a week to Hawaii, and I really worked on all the numbers, and uh, I had good connection with some people in the banking industry. <laughs> and uh, But uh, I knew it's going to really, in order to do it right, uh, uh, that my goal was to really make it first-class resort, and we would have never had the, that fancy hotel oh, if, if, if I had to finance it out of the pocket. It just wouldn't have right. happened. And, uh, Stairs. So, uh, so then I... <laughs> <laughs> there is a stairway to heaven. <laughs> so at that time, I uh, then I decided uh, it's uh, better to find someone with deep pockets. And we did at that time a lot of business in the 70s with the Japanese. Uh, we even Alaska Airlines had a representative in Tokyo, and, uh, and I traveled about once or twice a year to Jap uh, to Japan because that was a major out-of-state market uh, because of the air crossroads uh, and all the connections, the, the, the flights to Anchorage. So I, I, called, I got a hold of Tom Yanagihara was his name, a representative in Japan, and uh, and I told him, uh, and since I knew this Cebu Prince Hotel, they owned these 27 ski areas and, and the hotels in, in Japan, I said, this would be uh, a company that may be interested there too. Right. Uh, and uh, so we put a, a fancy brochure together and, uh, and, uh, uh and really showed, in, amongst other things, the Japan Airlines uh, at, at the airport, you know, yeah, at oh big yeah. times at the, and talked about the Winter Olympic bid, uh, which we were involved in. Yeah. Uh, and so, uh, because in Japan, the, our uh, owner had two areas where he had investment in Sapporo, they had it, and then in Nagano. That okay. uh, Nagano uh, they yeah. belonged actually to uh, Cebu Prince Hotels. And so mm -hmm. he had an idea about the uh, Olympics. And uh, well, anyhow, I make a long story short. After uh, uh, we made the presentation in, in Japan, and uh, with my my interpreter, and, the, uh, and then uh, uh, went back, and then a few months later, I got a, a contact that uh, they're going to send a four-person team to Alaska to uh, from Japan from the uh, Seibu Prince Hotel, so the ski expert, uh, lift expert. Uh, Finance expert and hotel expert, uh, and well, the, the, the finance expert was also a close friend of the owner, and uh, uh, so okay. uh, and so they and uh, came in April of 1980, and uh, we uh, I took him around and uh, wined him and dined him, and uh, and uh, by helicopter went up to check out the mountain, mm -hmm. and uh, and uh, and I you know explained to them, uh, took him through, of course, Anchorage to the the political mayor and everybody and the tourism people. And uh, so I had them a whole week. Then the last day of their visit, I said, I'm going to host a, a dinner at my home. I have a, had a nice big rustic home at Alaska on Davos Road. And, uh, so, at the, and uh, so I ordered king crab legs from Kodiak. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, wow. And, 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 and then I had a big pot of king crab legs. And, uh, and uh, I forget now what, what we... Uh, uh, serve, but uh, uh, but I, with the king crab legs, I always like to make garlic butter, and uh, and mm. uh, that really tastes good with it. And uh, and my family, you know, we had that them already had the uh, yeah, by that time I had already three boys. Yeah, all three is Rudy, Chris Junior, and Fabian. Uh, they they were born in 1969 and in 72 and 1979, and. Uh, 
So we and my wife had a dog team, uh, Sabrian Huskies. Yeah. So when we had the, <laughs> the visitors the last night for dinner at my house, we had a, a three or four husky puppies in the house. The the kids were crawling around, uh, and, uh, and especially the young one, uh, Fabian. And in Japan, normally they always go out to these fancy commercial restaurants, and uh, but to be invited to a home is a real honor. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah, that's my my rep sent from Japan says, man, they 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 love that ten times more than they can go to any fancy hotel restaurant uh, in, everywhere. So, yeah. So we and it was funny then as I served the king crab lakes and uh, um, and uh, they but they really had a good time. We, we, they were drinking by that time scotchy water. Oh and, uh, yeah. And, uh, <laughs> Japanese are pretty good drinkers, but they they, they can't handle as much as a typical. America, European, then they start getting red, red in the face. Uh, oh, but, they uh, <laughs> but at that time, we, we were drinking too much. You know, we were still pretty, uh, uh, you know, I was trying to be very formal. But uh, the, as I served the King Crab Lakes, uh, this one f- uh, fellow, Kobayashi, says, Chris-san, this King Crab Lakes are fantastic. They're beautiful. But I have one request. Do you have shoyu sauce? Soy sauce. They put soy sauce in pretty well everything. Yeah, yeah. And uh, oh shit, I, I should have known better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and serve my garlic the butter. One thing uh, I don't have. I, I, well, <laughs> okay. I I said, let me check in. I remember in the pantry I saw uh, actually a whole can yeah, with oh, a, yeah. that, uh, that I For had a long time. Thank, thank God they don't spoil. So <laughs> I once go in the pantry and come back out with that can of soy sauce, uh, Kikoman, and uh, they've. Uh, and, Oh, now, oh <laughs> you're a hero. And, and now they were happy. Now they had the king crab legs with soy sauce. No. I've never had no, that. I I it sounds delicious, though. It does sound good. my mind. And, and then as we finished the dinner, uh, two of the guys gave me a high five. He says, well, this should put the deal together. <laughs> <laughs> Keep come on. <laughs> <laughs> so anyhow, yeah, it. Uh, but then it still took uh, because that owner he was so such a busy schedule. It took another six months before we got the word. It was in oh. spring and April here, in fall and September, October. I got the got the word. Uh, they decided to go ahead and buy it, and uh, and um, and uh, we're going to make a press announcement on uh, uh, I think October one, um, and and in, in Anchorage at yeah. the mayor, the whole works and. Uh, and I tell you, there are a lot of people that were happy. I'm not sure if you know one fellow, very well known, called Stumpy Sewell Faulkner. Uh, he had Jack White Real Estate Company, uh-huh. and he, he he was a actually at that time one of the biggest realtor in Alaska. And he lived in Gridwood. He was my neighbor, and he said, "Man, now we're gonna really sell this uh, real estate in Gridwood." Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, he's licking his but, chops. Yeah, yeah. But uh, it, it didn't go so that fast. But uh, <laughs> but anyhow, a lot of people really well. Come there that uh, because they knew the company uh, when they read and heard about what investment they made and, uh-huh. uh, mm-hmm. and the following year then the owner came Mr. Tsutsumi and um, him, himself and they took him around the mountain and then we took him up the mountain on the chairlift no one at that time there was uh, the, we used it in the summertime for uh, uh, tourist uh, transportation before mm-hmm. we uh, any kind of tram uh, right and went up to the roundhouse and uh, and so uh, and he looked down there, and uh, he, you know, they stayed there in the in one of the condominiums right next to the Alaska uh, uh, Nugget Inn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, and, uh, uh, 
and he but he thought the area was too small for a good hotel a good sized hotel and mm-hmm. uh, especially when he found out that summer tourism is actually more uh, more uh, market than the winter tourism yeah, yeah. Yeah. he focused just on the winter part of it. and uh, so then uh, he says chris on uh, if uh, we can uh, by 80, uh, is it 60 to 80 acres of land down below the north face. We're, yeah, look, we're yeah. looking from the roundhouse down the north face. Then we can build a big uh, hotel. And by that time, we already planned to build a 310-room hotel. Uh-huh. And we can connect it with a Swiss tramway. Right. Because that's what he had in, in, in Japan and several. Okay. And I almost I almost gave him a high five. I said, because that was <laughs> like. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's your uh, dream. Uh, uh, but then with these shoguns, you know, I'm not, not supposed to do that. But yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. But, uh, but anyhow, I tell you, this, you know, and that's why I'm glad I didn't buy it because I, I knew that uh, no hard to do in the world that. could do that sort of thing. Yeah. And, uh, and on his first visit, that's what he wants to do. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And so the that, vision right away. Uh, but. Uh, we, uh, again, this is where I tell you that we could uh, we could have almost lost a deal because by that time even the economy in Japan was going down and uh-huh. here was going down. We didn't get the Winter Olympics and uh, and the city of Anchorage was screwing around uh, for years and years uh, getting the final master plan approved and the final uh, and uh, and as I say, I, I was really um, and uh, worried about it. Yeah, to, losing to sleep over it, right? Yeah, it really was. But then yeah. uh, finally, uh, when we made the, uh, the the decision to move forward with it, but because of the delay, then uh, uh, I I was the only U.S. Uh, resort manager that uh, that uh, Cebu had, and so in the meanwhile, we were building hotels in Hawaii, and uh, they were building the Maui Prince Hotel, uh, and then later we built the Hawaii Prince Hotel. It's in the book. It's in the book. Yeah. The Hawaii Prince Hotel, when I was president of Prince, uh, Prince Hotels in Hawaii, that construction contract alone was $550 million. That's Can true. you imagine? It was a, two, a hotel with two, uh, 550 rooms. Uh, I'm sorry, the $350 million was a 550-room hotel. Okay. And, uh, and I have a picture of it, uh, of the signing party with uh, the, all the officials. Uh, yeah. And I even looked behind to my attorneys. Uh, now, when I sign on behalf of Prince Hotels, is there a personal guarantee attached? To that? <laughs> <laughs> Stamp uh, it. But anyhow, I, the reason I just mentioned that, uh, so... Uh, in 1985, we had not gotten approval yet for, for building the Alyeska Prince Hotel. They, oh. uh, the owner in, uh, and the uh, company in Japan says, Chris, uh, we want you to transfer to Maui until this project in Alyeska gets completed. I mean, the, uh, approval. We, uh, we plan to open this uh, new hotel, which, which was under construction ready. And uh, so, uh, but yeah, it's not a bad offer. No. Getting a beautiful resort property with golf course and, uh, right on the beach. And I said, uh, well, after all the years now, yes, I, I think I could handle it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's a nice change of scenery. <laughs> yeah, it is. Instead of worrying about uh, snow plowing, you worry about mowing the grass. And, and, uh, <laughs> yeah. but and the mood swings with the snow, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, anyhow, yeah, exactly. So, anyhow, that's when uh, we made. Uh, so, I transferred to Hawaii with the, and that uh, brought my family over. My son, Chris Jr., became a surfing bum. Uh, my <laughs> oldest son, Rudy, he had graduated from his last year at high school. and St. Anthony High School in, in Maui. And uh, uh, so anyway, we had the family there uh, and uh, opened the hotel. And uh, in the interim, we had meetings about Alyeska because I was still involved, even though mm. I was based now in, in Maui. And, uh, and then and then a few years later, I was transferred to Honolulu to be in charge of the uh, hotel in uh, the Hawaii, Hawaii Prince Hotel with uh, 
which was even a bigger project. And uh, and that one's on Waikiki? Yeah. yeah. It's right there, right next to the Hilton Wine Village and yep. next to the Ilikai. Uh, oh, right yep. in the cut right, right there. Is that yeah. the one oh. with the Dukes in it? The Dukes is right next door. There. Okay. Yeah, it's right next door. That uh, That's one of my favorite hangouts. Yeah, there. yeah, I like yeah. Dukes. And, uh, but uh, anyhow, so uh, finally in 1988, uh, 89, they, they, f- they f- approved the master plan and the construction could begin. But uh, as I say, it was for Alyeska. Yeah. W- while I was in... in uh, but at that time, I was, uh, was very busy, busy in Hawaii. I mean, yeah. It really was a big job. And, yeah, uh, I was booming so, too, right? So... Um, uh, but then, uh, so the company said, well, why don't you just stay until the construction is finished, and then we'll probably consider uh, if you want to move back to uh, Alaska. And the, well, they had, in the meanwhile, a Japanese uh, uh, manager, and the, when the hotel finally was finished in 94, uh, they hadn't done really much marketing for it. And uh, so, and then it was opened in fall, which is uh, not that exactly no. the best time yep. of the year no. to open it. And, uh, and uh, then I had staffing challenges because, uh, so I get all the, I even sent uh, part of my uh, Hawaii team to Alaska to help with the opening of the oh, hotel. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, so, uh, and then I, I, in that winter, I went to Christmas vacation, I came over and, the place was uh, beautifully built, you know. It's a beautiful yeah. hotel. Uh, just like the, all the cherry wood in there. We, we had the market on the entire cherry wood in the Alieska Prince Hotel. It's uh, all the interior. Yep. And uh, it, they didn't spare a lot of money until oh, til, yeah. til the tail end. Then they started really getting tight. Uh, <laughs> 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 but anyhow... Uh, so then uh, I, I could uh, tell uh, the Japanese manager, uh, ca- uh, called me, chris can you please request to transfer back to Alaska? <laughs> uh, uh, they needed you back. Uh, yeah, they, they, at that time, because I had the connection with the tourism industry, mm-hmm. with the airline industry, since I was director of tourism, and, et cetera, and, uh, and I, I could tell that it hadn't been marketed. And in uh, Japan, they can have a hotel, and they can fill it up in uh, no time because right. they're a huge population. Population, but, yeah. But we are not right in the heart of America either. And, uh, mm-hmm. So after then, I submitted a business plan and a marketing plan, and uh, and, uh, and went to Japan and said I'm ready to go back since I convinced you initially to buy the resort at Alaska. Yeah, yep. that's the one that needs the help most. But uh, the hotel at uh, the Hawaii Peninsula, especially, was doing 85 percent occupancy, good average rates, and uh, I had a pretty a pretty good life. I had to be on the golf course more often than yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> pretty hard to give that up. Yeah. Yeah. You're like, let's build a golf course in Girdwood next. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow, so and, and so I requested a transfer to go back, and they were so relieved and so happy that because they initially didn't really want to tell me because some people considered it almost like a demotion because oh. here, here was, but I said, no, no, no. And then, and then we had the farewell party in, in Hawaii, and that uh, the whole ballroom, 350, 400 people there, and uh, I made a PowerPoint presentation about uh, Alaska and uh, the, the pictures and the heli skiing and the summer and the fishing and the flying, and, uh, yeah. and th- then some people. Oh, now we can see why you like Alaska. Uh, yeah. and, uh, yeah. So that's when I decided you just played the Super Bowl video again. <laughs> 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 Along the same concept. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's take another quick break and we'll be right back. Tailored Restoration, 24-hour emergency home services, helping Alaskans restore their dreams since 1972. Services include fire, water, mold, post-emergency cleaning, repair, and remodeling. 
Tailored has an emergency response number with trained professionals available to help you at any time, day or night. Give them a call in Anchorage, Eagle River, Matsu, or Fairbanks. Make an appointment today at tailoredrestorationalaska.com. Total Truck and Alaska Overlander, Alaska's premier supplier for custom automotive accessories and overlanding products, providing all-inclusive rental vehicles and trailers custom outfitted to explore the Alaskan backcountry with a unique and convenient traveling experience. At Total Truck, you can find brands such as ARE, RSI Smart Caps, Goose Gear, iCamper, Front Runner, Rigid Lights, Rhino Linings Bed Liners, and everything you need to outfit your truck or SUV. Alaska Overlander provides 4x4 vehicles and expedition trailers, custom modified for Alaskan adventures and outfitted with rooftop tents, fridges, and all the camping and cooking gear you need to start exploring. Visit them at alaskaoverlander.com. Okay, so I've got... As we talked about earlier in the show, I found the, uh, well, I don't know if this is actually it. I take that back. Oh, you found the Super Bowl commercial? Yeah, I thought I did, but I need to see if I can turn Super Bowl commercial 1960. Was it 67? No, that wasn't it. I thought I found it, but no, no, I didn't. Does it say Alaska Super Bowl commercial? Alaska tourism? Okay, Super Bowl commercial. Maybe don't. Put 1967 in there. Yeah, I, I did that earlier, and then Jack corrected me with the 1966. Oh, that's a tour? I mean, what's popping up under there? That's a Super Bowl commercial. We're going to wait until Sunday to show you the game. Scroll down. Scroll. Let me just pull this up. Let me try one more time. So if one, it pulls up the best Super Bowl commercial in 1967, but not Alaska. Oh, okay. Then there's Alaska Safety Dance Super Bowl. That's not it. Go to that. Go down. Go to the Wikipedia list of 1967. Maybe it wasn't in 1967 then. Yeah. I thought I found it. I had a little. We'll put in one day before or after and see. Um, commercial. Yeah, we got to find that. Yeah, man. Damn it. You looking for it, Jackie? Yeah, I am. It'd be nice to know what year it was. If it wasn't 67, maybe it was 68 because that would be the end of the 67 year. Oh, right, right. Yeah. You put 86. Or it might have been the year oh, before. If what year was, Chris, what year was the commercial? It was in 1966, 67. 66, 67. Okay. okay. 66. Uh, I'm going to get another book. Can I keep the door open when I go down? Oh, just come. We'll get the book later. We'll get it after. Oh yeah, yeah. We'll get it after. Back down. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We'll, get, uh, we'll get it after. We want to watch this. Com- we got to find this commercial. Yeah, I'm trying to find it. Okay. Yeah, I'll keep digging. You guys, we'll uh, we'll continue on with our. Well, do you remember what it was called, with Chris? Chris? Uh, it was a state of Alaska uh, tourism commercial, but. Uh, okay. Uh, yeah. Alaska. Everyone's Googling it now, listening. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to find it first. We're going to find Super it and Bowl play it. Super Bowl 6 commercial? Hmm. What? what? No. Yeah. Uh, Super Bowl. Super Bowl. 
tourism commercial. Anyway, uh, Chris, oh. have a seat right back down here. We're going to get you going. Yeah, these yeah, are they're all current ones. Yeah. Damn, I thought I found it. Sorry. How about this one, Chris? Maybe, is that one it? Is that it? No, that's, that was in 2010. Yeah. Well, that's just when it was posted on here. Okay. Well, we'll try to find it in one bed. Yeah. That one's older, but I don't know how old. All right, we're going to find it. Okay. Yeah, we'll find it. We'll find it. Yeah. All right. Everybody relieve themselves. Yeah. So who who was the first person, Chris, to uh, give you the title, Mr. Hospitality? Was there one individual who, who just started calling you that? Well, in, uh, we'll bring that in mic Alaska, a little closer actually, there. Uh, they referred me more as to Mr. Alieska. And uh, was when they went in, in Hawaii and then uh, hey, hey, at the Hawaii Prince Hotel and uh, I was featured on Hospitality Magazine. Uh, oh, okay. And then they, they uh, by that time, that, that's when the... The name stuck that uh, would be Mr. Hospitality. Yeah. Hey, Chris. Oh, yeah. Put your ears on. Yeah. Yeah. Can't just talk to myself. Like that. <laughs> no, it's okay. Yeah, pull the, pull the mic yeah. up. There we go. There oh, we go. We'll talk to you all day. We've got to get that beautiful voice yeah. and accent yeah. right in the mic. Yeah. We just want the Come listeners to hear Give us yeah. a Z right. world. <laughs> we need the Z. Z world. All right. Yeah. Let me, uh, I'm going to just start doing a little behind the scenes research here. So, Mr. Hospitality, that is, uh, was that like post-Hawaii? Well, it uh, was actually during Hawaii because I was named uh, in, uh, in 2000 and, uh, uh, forget what year it was, in 2006, I, I was named by the American Hotel Association as a U.S. Resort Executive of the Year. For okay, every state in the uh, country submitted a, a submission and uh, like a vote or uh, yeah. So then okay. they, they submitted. So at that time, I had the support from from the governor to my executive housekeepers and everybody else. And so that's when it really starts sticking. That wow, yeah, just like here in Alaska, we get the award of Alaska Business Hall of Fame. But that's not as prestigious, maybe compared to being the top man in the U.S. as far as hotel is yeah. concerned. Yeah. So that's where I kind of started getting my reputation, but uh, that's a long time ago now. Did the did the training that you did in Paris and and the like the European um, schooling on being you know a hotel executive um, come into play in that, or was it more like real life experiences? It it was more, uh, even though the, my, my international background definitely uh, and uh, the and the experience back in Europe, including like you say in Paris, I worked at the Plaza Athene for a while. But uh, uh, but I think it was more or less uh, the, the that uh, both in Alaska and in Hawaii was not only that running the hotel and the resort. I got involved in the local community uh, a great deal. I was, uh, uh, you know, here uh, president of the uh, in Hawaii, uh, president of the Hawaii Hotel Association, and, and chairman. And the uh, same here. When I came back to Alaska from Hawaii, I introduced uh, Hawaiian Alaskana rates uh, in our hotel at Alaska, uh-huh. and uh, we then I brought an idea back, which we had quite a few called the Visit Industry Charity Walk, mm. uh, and. Uh, because that was very tradition in Hawaii, but we didn't yeah. have it here, so I convinced her. That's my wife in Germany. Oh, in Germany. Oh, T- We're live. Bikini. 
Welcome to the conversation. <laughs> okay. We are we're in podcast. Uh, Okay, and someday, okay. I, I'm telling a few lies, so please. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> don't bust them out. Don't bust them out. I don't tell any lies, I tell you. But I told him that who is the one who convinced me to write that book? It was okay. you. It was all your fault. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, well. Do you want to say anything to these podcasters? I would say good morning. Ich, I'm still in my uh, morning gown. It's seven o'clock in the morning, so please forgive me for not be on my on my on top of my. <laughs> <laughs> They call that morning beauty. Okay, yeah. morning beauty. Yes, good, good. So You're enjoying. I hope he tells only good things about me. Otherwise, uh, I should be interfering badly. <laughs> <laughs> I guess you have to listen to the recording. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All wonderful. Okay. So, okay, I, I can't, I can't wait to hear the result. Well, and, uh, uh, I'll let you know once they, once they edit it. They have to really edit a lot. Uh, oh yeah, <laughs> something like that. <laughs> Okay, I'll call you later, huh? Okay, ciao. 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 <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's in Munich right now. <laughs> Even though we got a place in Austria, but she, she has a place in Munich yeah, as well. That was perfect, man. <laughs> I, I almost thought we planned that. I wonder what she's doing <laughs> yeah. right now. Not to go negative, but how's the how's the the temperature there, the feeling of people there with what's going on in the world? Well, they're, they're, they're pretty, pretty damn worried. Uh, and... Uh, uh, About this Ukrainian war, especially um, mm -hmm. uh, we and interesting enough, uh, uh, the home that uh, Begitta and her sister own is a big family home there, but it was a fairly old one. So they were just last year were ready to renovate it um, uh, and uh, and uh, and start to fix it up, uh, and uh, so then. Uh, 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 then the Ukrainian war broke out, uh, and uh, so then they decided uh, to hold off for another year or so uh, uh, and uh, hosted two Ukrainian families, uh, which uh, was, oh, wow. was, oh, that's uh, awesome. was uh, greatly appreciated by yeah. the government and by, by the families that we had. So, But uh, yeah, overall, to answer your question, uh, there, there is concern because uh, they're even much closer to, to the war, war yeah, zone, they are. Uh, war yeah. zone than mm -hmm. here. Then we are here, uh, so uh, and uh, we just uh, don't know, you know, how many crazies uh, that uh, are ready to push the buttons. And, right. and uh, I, I just hope uh, they they have restrictions similar, like our U.S. Uh, government, that uh, they couldn't just tell uh, that the one guy give the order You're to right. the general. And uh, at least here we got the checks and balances. That's you know, right. the, the mm -hmm. president, the president alone could not decide right. to. Um, but yeah, it uh, it is definitely a concern and. Um, at, uh, And people have become more 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 cautious. Uh, so I, I but uh, I I just hope that it. Uh, I don't know what the solution is. Even though uh, I think Putin will not uh, try to give up, and uh, and uh, the Ukrainians uh, they are there, and but I respect them a hell of a lot more than the Afghanistan people. 
Mm. You know, they, they're fighting for what they believe in, the democracy. Here, America was for 20 years in Afghanistan and then had millions and billions of people and lots of people got killed. Yep. And then uh, towards the end, uh, when they're ready to move out, uh, uh, because I, I read a book that both uh, with Trump and the Biden and everything before, and uh, and Bush got involved in it, but... Uh, uh, but here, when at the end, when they were ready to m pull the troops out of uh, Afghanistan, the president of uh, Afghanistan says, "Yes, we, we, our troops are ready, and they're willing to take over." And and sure enough, the minute they pulled out, and, and which unfortunately didn't go over as well either. Which, uh, yeah. But uh, uh, and uh, they 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 uh, he fled. The president fled the mm -hmm. country, yeah, and, the and the troops, the troops mm -hmm. uh, laid down the arms and gave it to the Taliban. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, and now they're complaining that uh, the, the poor women that they're being discriminated against and so on. There, I I, I feel I have absolutely no love and respect. Whereas uh, in Ukrainian, they're, they're fighting for what they believe in and they're putting their life on the on the line. It's my little political great, speech. Great. Yeah. Right. We don't Thank normally you. get too political in here, but I was just curious since you. I have family there and a home there, and it's yeah, pretty close there. A bit yeah, close, closer to home there. Real close. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I, I had a kind of random question, and I don't know if you want to talk answer it, but I, I was curious on what, how do you got that um, scar on your ear? Well, I'm over there in, in Europe, I'm, I'm telling there's a bear that bit me, and uh, oh, there you, oh, there, oh, the, yeah. uh, oh, I got too close of, to your fish. Yeah, I, I got lots of attention, and. Uh, but uh, I, I fortunately it had a little uh, uh, what do you call it a melanoma there. Mm. Oh, oh, okay. okay. That's okay. not as good of a story. <laughs> <laughs> I like the bear nibbling on your ear. That was a little I thought it would have been the the helicopter story. <laughs> no, they, I I had a helicopter crash. You know, amongst oh. others. Uh, Is I've it in the book? It's in the it's book. It's in the book. Okay. <laughs> I should tell you three, it's or, all in the three, book. three or four uh, close encounters that I had. Of course, the earthquake I already talked about before. Yeah, that that's was one. Uh, <laughs> it was number two in 1970. Uh, yeah, in, in January of 1970, uh, I had a company house right next to the resort, uh, the base ski area. And uh, I was up at the office, and uh, we had our. One son, Rudy, he was only 10 months old at that time in 1970 in January. And, uh, and my wife just went over to the day lodge to look for a babysitter. And it was a cold mid-January day. And uh, somehow the, uh, the, the fireplace was on, but uh, we had screens there. But somehow, uh, apparently, uh, a spark must have gotten and out. The and amber uh, popped out. And, uh, and we had a polar bear rock there nearby. And uh, it's, it's somehow... And uh, the next thing, I get a, a phone call uh, from uh, somebody say, "Chris, your house is on fire!" And uh, <gasps> and I dashed out. Uh, thank God, it was only about uh, about th uh, two or three hundred feet uh, from the company house to my office, and uh, I ran down there, and uh, the whole front side of the house was really uh, burning, uh, pretty strong. <sighs> and uh, and then I didn't know where Nina, my wife, and uh, my my son is, and then and just at that time she. Uh, Nina comes, uh, my wife comes out of the day lodge, said, my baby, my baby. And then I knew oh my I knew that Rudy was in there. And so then uh, my foreman, uh, mount manager, and a couple of ski patrol heaved me in the back of the, uh, up through the window. And I knew where the... Uh, baby crib. Baby crib is. And I crawled on the floor, but it was smoking. Uh, it was black smoke. And I had to be way on the... And try, try to... 
not take any breath, you know. Right, right, and stay and, low. Uh, and stay real low and uh, did uh, manage to find the crib. And I was so relieved to find uh, Rudy there and put him in there and turned around. I couldn't see a thing. I, I, I got almost disoriented because I took a little bit of a breath. And uh, and then uh, I slowly crawled around. And uh, thank God, my mountain manager, he was on the ladder. Uh, and he was uh, swinging his arms back and forth. And I just happened to lift up and I touched his hand. And then, then, uh, then I knew that it was by the window. And then uh, he pulled me a little bit up, and I handed him Rudy, my ten-month-old son. And then I collapsed, uh, and, uh, and just about, you know. Uh, and uh, so he immediately handed uh, Rudy to uh, some other ski patrollers, and he came down and, and pulled me out from the oh. floor and uh, pulled me through the window because by that time I, I was you out were that, you yeah. were out, yeah. So that was uh, the very, very very close to uh, yeah. uh, being a goner. And then in nineteen. Uh, 73 uh, uh, in april of 1973 we i had a beautiful uh, winter day there uh, so i said uh, we had an extra helicopter on standby for some work and so i said i think we need to do some research uh, some market research i call it uh, let's go <laughs> uh, let's go up to turn again and check out the slopes by, tin, by tin can and, uh, <laughs> and, and asked several the ski patroller mountain manager the u.s forest ranger chuck o'leary uh, i said well we'll go and so we headed there, and uh, and we flew up to the top of Tin Can uh, Mountain there in Trinigan and uh, and made a few runs, and then helicopter picked us up down below, and uh, and it was sunshine. Uh, it was mid afternoon, late afternoon, around four five, four o'clock, uh, bright sunshine, mm -hmm. and uh, and the pilot picked us up in, in the field there and uh, and took off, and he didn't see the main power line till the last second. The main mm. transmission line that runs from the yep. one side yeah. across. Wow. Uh, and uh, the very last second, he veered to the left and severed with the rotor one of the three cables. Uh, and then, uh, amazing that the, the rotor didn't fly off uh, because these are thick, thick. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. And, uh, and the bubble burst. I was sitting next to the pilot up in front. Uh, the battery was up with the battery up in front and, and uh, burst, but uh, he was able to keep it upright and we had a a hard crash landing but upright uh, and uh, I, w I got some injury in the face but uh, uh, thank god we didn't if we had hit more than one of the two lines we would have been electrocuted because uh, oh, what is that? Yeah, yeah. the face and uh, yeah. And uh, I tell you, uh, later when the uh, the NTSB and the FAA when they uh, interviewed uh, the whole story said you're so lucky that they have even several airplane accidents in that same region well uh, nowadays, every time I go up to turn again, hit hit there towards Seward or so, I look up the, these red balls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think these could have been my red balls up there. And name that one after uh, me. Uh, yeah, I tell you, I, we were so lucky to come out alive on that one. And then the last one of the more significant ones, a few others, but uh, in 1978, we had the first spring carnival uh, at Alaska. It was the busiest uh, weekend we had in the whole uh, whole winter season. There was a three-day uh, event, um, and the uh, first time we also had the Slush Cup as part of that uh, mm. spring carnival. And there was that was the first year of it? Yeah, 1978, yeah. Okay. And the uh, very first time we did it uh, in April 1, 2, right around that beginning of April, and... Uh, and uh, so uh, I had a 
busy, busy, busy period. I mean, and I was exhausted by the end of the Sunday, and I, I went back to the house after Slush Cup was finished. We, at that time, we had it normally on Sundays. It was the last event of the mm-hmm. Spring Carnival, and uh, I went to went to bed uh, early, about nine o'clock, and. Uh, and, uh, and then uh, my my wife Nina and her brother were watching movie. The kids all went to bed ready. Uh, and that was in '78. That was when her two uh, Fabian wasn't born yet. And um, and then right around 11:30, uh, three guys with masks came into the uh, into the house. And uh, and uh, and first uh, my wife and her brother were still in the in the TV room down below. And and, uh, and initially, she even thought that it's kind of some kind of spring oh, yeah, joke. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. and when he slapped her, and uh, uh, then he knew that was not going to yeah. be. And he told her if she makes any loud noises, she's going to really be, be going to be knocked down. And uh, so they tied them up uh, down below, and then and she warned them. Says my, my husband, he's a very excitable person. So when I woke up, they had. Two guys from each side of the bed, and uh, Chris Jr. was actually uh, in. He went to bed and stayed on the other side of my, my king size bed, and uh, he was. Uh, uh, He's like six or something, then, yeah. right? Yeah. And uh, so, uh, anyhow, th- th- and th- the way I woke up with two guns against my head. Can you imagine? Uh, yeah. It is absolutely frightening. And uh, so they came for th- three reasons. They wanted to get the keys to the offices. Uh, uh, for the business office, because they knew that's where the main safe was, with the majority of the deposits. At that time, we didn't haul it away right away on Sunday. Said uh, right, no, right, all the, stacked yeah. up. Uh, number two, they wanted to get the alarm system uh, layout, and then the safe combination. That's why they came down to uh, to you directly to capture me. To uh, and I thank God I had been at a meeting with the insurance company on some other business just uh, about two or three months before. He says, don't ever try to be uh, dead here. If anyone ever robs you something, give them the money. Don't, uh, you know, it's not, not worth uh, to fight it. You know, and uh, because I, uh, you know, normally my instinct is to fight oh, it. Oh, yeah, 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 sure. Yeah. From my old U.S. Marine Corps. Uh, oh, sure. Yeah. But, uh, not laying any, down easy. Anyhow, so... We, we gave him the information. Well, my office manager had changed the, the safe combination. Oh. Um, and because when we had staff turnover, they, they changed it. And I had an old one in my wallet because I hardly ever myself got into the safe. Right, you know, right, there was yeah. no, and so I gave him the old one, and, and that didn't work. And they, they came back down, and I thought, this time we're going to shoot me. They're angry. And I, I just explained to them that they went then back up and uh, uh, with uh, crowbars and dynamite. They, they managed to get that thing. And it was at 2 or 3 in the morning by that time. And uh, and they got the money out of the safe, and then they also hit up the night auditor in the hotel that the Alaska Nugget in, and uh, so got it, the cash drawers. Yeah, and uh, <coughs> well, th- make a long story short, too, it's also in the book, and uh, um, uh, the. Uh, they they escape, but if they had been smart, they had just hidden in a cabin for a day or two till all the smoke blew over. But they, they decided to, uh, to hit towards Anchorage. They they were from Bird one, in- one way in, one way out. Yeah, they were from Bird Indian, and uh, and uh, and uh, so. Uh, but uh, my night auditor, he was not guard, uh, guard. We, uh, myself and my family, we were guarded with one guy with uh, with. Uh, he didn't have a gun. He had a big knife. Uh, the others, uh, the two with the guns, they headed up to the offices to to raid the the safe and uh, and uh, so. Uh, 
Uh, but my night editor, they they hit him up too, and then threw him in a hotel room. But he was able to free himself. Actually, I was able to get the, my wires. They they wired me too. Uh, but uh, I, I would have taken a chance for my family. Yeah. And, uh, so, uh, but the night editor was able to call the troopers, and then uh, and the trooper uh, uh, first uh, went to the to the hot hotel, uh, and by that time they already had. F- Fled the hotel and uh, this would have been the Nugget Inn. Yeah, yeah, the old Alaska Nugget Inn. And then, then uh, anyhow, then uh, they apparently he heard some screeching wheels somewhere, and they were just heading down to pick up the guy that was guarding us at the house. Oh yeah, and uh, and then uh, then they're gonna take off. I tried to engage the guy with the conversation, even though he had a mask on, you know, and try to figure out whether who the hell this guy is. And uh, but. Uh, Anyhow, but one of the guys, uh, how stupid it is, he was uh, trying to, uh, 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 they were monitoring the police channel, interesting enough. Mm. So oh, he decided okay, to abandon the car and just, uh, but uh, they were they were from India and they were trying to get back. And, uh, and so the one guy was with the backpack uh, heading down and then he was in a traffic jam. He was just in the ditch there and, and uh and uh, and uh, some people said there's some guy, uh, uh, some people that were commuting, is uh, walking in the backpack in the middle of the night uh, to towards Bird, uh, and so the trooper, trooper Bill, at that time, he managed to get up there, and uh, sure enough, uh, the guy was there, and uh, and uh, in the meanwhile, they had also requested helicopter uh, support, and uh, and just as the uh, the uh, the trooper uh, got to that guy and then told him to stop and uh, come out there, uh, come come up there. The guy came with a, his hand in the in the jacket. Oh, oh and uh, and uh, trooper uh, Bill just could uh, just say uh, helicopter. This is a dangerous situation, and please come. And at that time, the helicopter just came over there and it came down and and um, and. He, uh, the trooper Bill, he thought he, he, he might have very well. He could have shot him. He had the gun, a loaded gun. Yep. And, wow. and, and he had the backpack with uh, most of the money. And uh, anyhow, they got actually more uh, in trouble for kidnapping the family mm. than for the theft. For the theft, right. Yeah, because yeah. kidnapping is even much uh, more of a, uh, a, crime. a serious crime. Right, and, uh, right, right. So uh, and they thank God they did get that guy. Uh, I tried to identify him. The guy that guarded us, and I, I knew absolutely they could by voice recognition. Uh, mm. But my wife and uh, and her brother, they said, "Yeah, we think it is," but that wasn't clear enough. But I said, "Yeah, that's the son of a bitch." But uh, one out of three identified him the, the, as a guard. But uh, he got uh, got away with uh, minimum uh, uh, problems. But uh, the guy that uh, with uh, the card with the money and yeah. so on, and um, he he. Got into jail for six, seven years, and then they, I was in Hawaii by that time, and uh, and then they asked if they should release him. And uh, well, if you can keep him longer, uh, it was. <laughs> yeah. it, but it turned out to be he was a carpet layer, but did the carpet in our business office where the safe was. Uh, oh, and, oh uh, inside and, job. And while uh, while he was doing carpet laying, uh, the the the, you know, the crew uh, came back and forth, and the safe was open and closed, and uh, and he saw the. Oh, money. they witnessed the whole thing going the, on through the, the day. Yeah. One guy uh, saw it. <laughs> there was uh, not during the spring carnival, but before. Yeah, yeah right, 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 yeah. And uh, yeah, so they built that, the job up. Yeah, yeah. 
and I tell you, I mean, it was close. Uh, yeah, the, you so guys got lucky. Th- that was uh, again another close call. That's a nightmare. Yeah, yeah. it was an and in the, the in the book is this a nightmare in a ski town. Yeah. Oh wow. It's in the book. How much money did he have? I uh, had about eighty-five thousand, uh, oh, which was wow. uh, in uh, in checks and uh, uh, about forty thousand in in cash. Was wow. mostly checks. There wasn't too much credit card at that time. Still, yeah. uh, I wonder what the uh, the decision on the slush cup night. Why they decided that night? You because know, that, uh, that was the, f- the final of the weekend, and I guess they had enough information that we normally don't tra- haul the, the deposits until the f- okay. following Monday. Mm. So they just waited till the night. busiest weekend was over, and. Mm. Uh, I changed that rule in a hell of a hurry, and oh, because I bet you did. A, a years ago I even halted the, the, the deposit myself and just had a gun under my my seat. But uh, I, I no longer did that after that. You started having uh, armored transport yeah. take care yeah. of it. Yeah, I had Loomis. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, those are incredible. So th- stories. those were the few that uh, as a chapter devoted just to uh, uh, close calls and uh, including the a nightmare in a ski town. Yep. Uh, yeah, yeah, I like where, the yeah. Uh, the rankings. That you had on this. Yeah. I mean, they were kind of hard to rank them. Uh, yeah, but I, I see why the the last one was number one because the family yeah. was involved yeah. on that one. Those yeah. were not necessarily individual, even though the baby was in the the house fire. Did the house? Did well, those we are chronic chronological order chronological yeah too. yeah. I put it in chronological order. The, the, way it happened. the home did, did. Were you guys able to salvage the home or? It burned it, down to the ground. Oh, that's and, devastating. And, uh, bullets were flying. I had a bunch of. Uh, Bullets in, you know, in my, and they were just flying left and right. Oh, and yeah, huh? <coughs> yeah. Wow. I, for everyone that hasn't read the book, you should read the book because the adjectives Chris uses to describe, like, how he looks when he comes out of that and all these different scenarios mm-hmm. are wonderful. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, they're for the book, though. Yeah. Yeah, and, and just in case uh, later you want to know, there's a, a website on this book. And you can order it off the website, and Chris Jr. will fulfill your order. And, uh, <laughs> oh, okay. And, All right. <laughs> and when I left him today, uh, I come to the podcast, is, and don't forget to mention your website, which is www.chriswanemhoff.com. <laughs> okay, there <laughs> it is. All right. And, and, Can't forget that one. <laughs> and and w- with that, you can contact them, and they will send you the book. And uh, and uh, So he'll go down in the garage, pull one out of a box, <laughs> and throw it in the mail. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so I got my. Uh, uh, please, uh, please tell him that I, I did uh, get my. You gave my him a plug. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Okay. Yeah, we got it. Is that the only place that someone can buy a book? No, it uh, uh, it, it is uh, in all kinds of stores. Like uh, it has quite a few book signing at Costco for a while. And, okay. Uh, at uh, 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 what's it? No, Barnes and Noble and uh, at Alieska's uh, gift shop and. Uh, and then uh, for the Europeans, they buy it on Amazon. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. All right, lots of places. You should tell us a little bit about your full name. <laughs> I was like, just like stunned, you know, when I read uh, read about your full name. Yeah, it's a long one, but uh, you know, kind of a little aristocratic background, and uh, but it's Christoph Herbert Reinhardt Freiherr von Imhoff. And the Freiherr is like a, a step above Baron, and so this is part oh, of Oh, a step uh, above Baron. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, I but, didn't know that. But in this country, you can't buy anything for it. <laughs> <laughs> so do you use it at home, though? 
uh, or do you use it back at, back in Germany? Uh, uh, over there, they, 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 they still, oh, Mr. Van Emhoff or Baron Van Emhoff, or whatever yeah. they call it. But, uh, <laughs> no, yeah, but, uh, even nowadays, don't, uh, but uh, over there, a lot of people are still very proud of their titles. Uh, yeah. But uh, when I came over here, I, even Christoph, uh, uh, I, uh, when I, Came over here, became a U.S. citizen. They cut the top off, uh, and ju I just ended up Chris. And then over oh, there, said, right. How come uh, not Christoph? He said, "Well, they they thought it was too damn long." <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. You have an amazing memory. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, you have a very good memory. Well, thank you. Remember everybody's names and and then dates. Um, that's in important seasons? In, in the business, yeah. That, uh, yeah. And uh, you know, who first uh, where I really practiced when I was working as director of tourism for Governor Egan, and uh, and he says, Chris, you know, the, the the people are always very impressed when you when you greet them, meet them, and, and call them by name. And uh, so one time I was flying with him uh, from Juneau to Petersburg, where they had the Sons of Norway festival, and uh, so he. Uh, he uh, he wanted to know all who he's going to meet him at the airport, and so I had to check this all out in advance and accompany him and to a couple other people, and on uh, the aircraft. But uh, so I had the list of from the mayor and uh, and his wife and uh, and the tourism people and a couple of people, uh, the fishermen, um, et cetera, et cetera. So I had about a half a dozen people that are going to welcome him, and then I also found out that the mayor's uh, had a dog named. Uh, whatever, I forget now. <laughs> See, I forgot. I'll give you a pass on that one. <laughs> but at that time, as we flew away, I gave him the briefing, gave the the list of the names and who he's going to meet at the airport, and uh, and so when he got there, he greeted them all, and, and, and just after he got through finishing talk to the mayor, I said, "And how is your dog? Whatever his name is." Oh man, he was there. But so at that time, I always reminded that's important. Try to the little uh, things. Uh, remember the names that I know with a lot of staff, and I manage the resorts in Hawaii and Alaska. And then the, I've tried to remember staff and guest name, of course. Yeah. Uh, the, and I think it makes often a difference when you show that you really take some yeah. interest in there. That's great. Uh, before we kind of wrap it up, is there maybe a story that didn't make the book? that you thought of like, oh, I forgot about that one that maybe you could share with us or did you get them all in there? Well, I got a lot of uh, stories in there, but not all of them. One, one thing I, when I had once a book signing uh, event in, in, in Alaska with uh, a whole bunch of ladies uh, mm -hmm. that were, um, wanted to get a briefing. I, they had already got the books, but they had questions or so. And then I had uh, one picture that uh, is not in the book, but they had read, read the book. That's when it shows me that I was jumping on the on the diving board uh, at, at the old Alieska yeah, yeah. next to the condominium. We had a swimming pool. Right. And uh, and uh, and I, from the three-meter diving board, I jump and I I wish they had brought that picture with me uh, because they gave me hell that I didn't put that one in. <laughs> because I, it looks like I'm flying over the condos. Max's Mountain, you can see in the distance in front. Oh, cool. Front, oh, uh, yeah. Front and uh, and uh, afterwards, when I, when I showed them the picture, how come that's not in the book? That <laughs> would have been uh, <laughs> Iconic photo. <laughs> but yeah. I, I try to uh, uh, put in the highlights, but uh, there there were times uh, that uh, I tried not to dwell too much on the difficult challenges, um, and especially mm. in the and uh, had to be a lot se of, them. Se a lot of challenges. So when I talked about the book, I talked about the peaks and valleys. 
and uh, because that's yeah. really mm. well, that's what I experienced. And the description in, is specifically says the peaks and valleys. Yeah, exactly, because that's what I'm running a, a resort, you know, with a ski area. Of course, some people think of a woman, and that has also peaks yeah. and valleys. But yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yes, yes. I think we got a podcast name. <laughs> now we do. <laughs> yeah. Do you but, still get out and ski? To, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Not as much as I used to. I had both my knees operated. Uh, oh. uh, got new knees, and so mm. they, they slows you down a little bit. I, but I do, uh, Nordic skiing as well as alpine. But only now I'm waiting till the groom slopes uh, and it's come springtime. I'm a fair weather go. skier. Yeah, yeah. There you are. Yeah. Bluebird. <laughs> and then over in, Wait till in, it's warm and lots of daylight. <laughs> in, in, in Europe, we got a couple of e-bikes, and they're especially going through oh, all yeah. the all, oh, yeah. all, all the hills, you know. And and then you get to the top of one of those. Uh, Mountain areas and there, there's great restaurants, great food, and uh, so. But nowadays, I don't have. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's really good to see if you put turbocharged. Yeah. Right. Oh. Right. <laughs> I, had a, I had a question I was thinking about as you were, you know, talking about the history of everything you've done. Probably a hard question to answer, but a man with your history and knowledge, experience, what you've done. What would you say is like the pinnacle of your career? I appreciate you asking that question. And uh, believe me, there were many highlights. But uh, I still felt when I was president of Prince Hotels Hawaii and opened up the, the Hawaii Prince Hotel as pre president. Uh, <laughs> and uh, and uh, we had pictures of it there. Uh, and I was chairman of the Hawaii Hotel Association. Um, and uh, and then I got the, the U.S. Resort Executive of the Year Award. Mm. Uh, I think uh, for a little young bellboy that started at my uncle's hotel, that was uh, kind of the... The, the the top of it, the top. Uh, but, yeah. Yeah, but then at the same time, I also take a lot of pride here with Alaska uh, uh, Resort yeah. over the years. Uh, because when we started out, it was uh, just uh, a little local uh, uh, skier with very little business and very little profitability. And um, over the years, uh, uh, but that was more longer process. Uh, but uh, right. I was uh, glad to s see that we we were able to build this beautiful resort hotel. Yeah, I I appreciate your candid answer. I kind of figured it would be hawaii because like why not it's hawaii yeah man but it's amazing how it came full circle back from that pinnacle back around to alaska kind of where it all started where it started and and maybe where the most blood sweat and tears might have been the most what blood sweat and tears yes in definitely, the, in, definitely in, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that, absolutely no question you about know, it uh, most uh, uh valleys yeah, yeah. <laughs> There were a lot and of long, long, yeah, yeah. Yeah, this long oh, climb, yeah. <laughs> 25 oh, year man. climb. Well, we appreciate you coming in, Chris, and, and taking your time and sharing your history and, and what you've done for Alaska and, and the tourism in industry and Alaska in general and sharing and, and creating the book because that's quite a task to do that and, and leave that history for the generations to come to uh, see the peaks and valleys of your life thank you so much i really appreciate this was a real fun uh, interview i've gone sometimes there were some very structured ones where you had this, it all scripted and <laughs> this, uh, so this yeah. was a pleasure to yeah so now i'm going to be a, uh, a fan of podcasts yeah, all right, all right. right. yeah we got yeah. we showed you how to work the app before we started so now you know how to download them <laughs> yep, he's there that's right man yeah thank you so much for coming in man i uh and you let me know once you edit it uh, because uh, there's oh, I, can, yeah. I can notify people where and where yeah. uh, oh for uh, sure uh, for sure yeah i actually text cj 
So I have his number. Oh, you do? Okay. I said, hey, I happen to be one of the co-hosts on the show. He's like, oh, small world, man. I was like, give, give him hell for being up. a no-show tonight. I was, yeah, yeah. Sure, for sure. sure. <laughs> I, th- yeah. I thought I misunderstood you that uh, John was going to bring his son. Yeah, 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 yeah. So uh, <laughs> if I'd known, I saw CJ earlier today because my, as I say, my daughter-in-law, my uh, her, she uh, today had her U.S. Coast Guard ceremony. Yeah, congratulations uh, to her. She yeah. Uh, yeah. What, retired. Uh, yeah, after Coast twi- Guard. T- twenty-one years. Yeah. Wow. Appreciate uh, that service. Congratulations and, to her. But man. you know, they made you. They made me again proud of America. And as I say, I'm a U.S. citizen for a long time, and uh, how they 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 how they credit uh, and all the service and all the years. Yeah. And I uh, must say that uh, they had wonderful presentations, and they got some beautiful plaques, and uh, and uh, it, it it made you proud that they recognize. Uh, yes. Yeah, and, and this is something good. also here. And my wife coming in Europe. Uh, Soldiers normally don't get the respect or appreciation here. She mm. always always was amazed when you go on an airplane or somewhere and people say thank you for your service. That's right, every time. I, I, th- I think to me that uh, that where I'm a former very honorable yeah. Yeah. U.S. Marine from yeah. the right. halls of Montezuma <laughs> to the shores of Tripoli, <laughs> we will fight our country's battle in the air, land, and sea. See, I, I I learned that, uh, but when I was in the Marine Corps and boot camp in San Diego and Camp Pendleton. Except that drill sergeant says I was goose stepping, <laughs> 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 which is not true. But uh, oh, but I, I'm a, a proud uh, former Marine. Well, thank you for your service. Yeah, we right. appreciate that very thank much. You. Thank you. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Thanks again. I I, I want to just say, you know, I was, I was talking. About, I was thinking about my little brother. He's an old school snowboarder, and I think about the youth and folks that are out enjoying Girdwood. And, and the mountain and Alieska, um, go read Chris's book, and I think it's going to bring a whole new appreciation to where and how that uh, how that place was built and what it was built off of, and and to uh, you know give it re- the respect it deserves. And uh, thanks to you, Chris. Yeah, appreciate it, right. man. Thank you. Uh, yeah, still got a few more uh, books for sale. Yeah, man, Chris, this is has been my my place my like happy place since i was a kid thank you and now my kids get to grow up with it and i get to share that with them thanks for bringing that to us well it's been wonderful so much for all of you i really appreciate your support and uh and it was a pleasure to meet you and uh, and uh, sometimes if you come to goodwood maybe visit with john and cj and we'll yeah we'll have a Nice uh, refreshments. Uh, I would, yeah. would love yeah. to do that. We'll all do Slush Cup next year together, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah there we go. One year, CJ and I are together into the Slush Cup as Superman. Really? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> one, one giant Superman? Well, <laughs> well we initially were going to try both cross same time, but then they, they said it's dangerous in, yeah, case, yeah. in case you start flailing. The yeah, skis yeah. start uh, uh, propelling. And start oh, yeah. So, yeah. Can't be having that. <laughs> so, but the Superman didn't quite make it across. Nope. Have you ever done it? <laughs> you did do it? You made oh, it? Oh, well, no. Not, uh, <laughs> All right. yeah. You got wet. I, 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 I took too much of a jump instead of you know, what you need to do. Get ready as you go to the lip push your foot right down so that you don't uh, uh, so you really you go straight flat versus yeah. up yeah. high right yeah. 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 you want to really go flat and, then yeah. and we want to make sure those knees are good for those e-bike rides oh, so yeah. take it easy right <laughs> uh, thank you Alaska for listening once again the website is chrisvonimhoff.com uh, to buy the book and the book is titled Ali- t- today Alieska tomorrow is the world
Thank you, Alaska. <laughs> and as always, stay wild. <laughs> you remember my speaking to you of what I call your overcautiousness. Are you not overcautious when you assume that you cannot do what the enemy is constantly doing? The Alaska Wild Project podcast is brought to you by the following sponsors. Barney Sports Chalet, supplying hunters with the best hand-selected gear since 1963. The exclusive home of Frontier Gear, built for the rugged Alaskan terrain. Your one-stop shop for all your outdoor needs. Visit Barney's today at 906 West Northern Lights. Tailored Restoration 24-Hour Emergency Home Services, helping Alaskans restore their dreams since 1972. Services include fire, water, mold, post-emergency cleaning, repair, and remodeling. Give them a call in Anchorage, Eagle River, Matsu, or Fairbanks. Hit them up at tailoredrestorationalaska.com. Total Truck and Alaska Overlander, Alaska's premier supplier for custom automotive accessories and overlanding products, providing all-inclusive rental vehicles and trailers, custom outfitted to explore the Alaskan backcountry with a unique and convenient traveling experience. TheTreehouseAK.com, located at 341 Boniface Parkway, Alaska's own and grown cannabis and CBD store. Ask the bud tender what the strain of the day is to get your 10% off. The Treehouse, where the culture lives. AKO Farms, located in Sitka, Alaska, built from the ground up with concentrates as their single motivation, with exclusive products such as their sugar wax, full-spectrum diamond sauce cards, and more. Ask your local bud tender about AKO. Marijuana has intoxicating effects and may be habit-forming and addictive. Marijuana impairs concentration, coordination, and judgment. Do not operate a vehicle or machinery under the influence. There are health risks associated with consumption of marijuana. For the use of only by adults 21 and older. Keep out of the reach of children and marijuana should not be used by women who are pregnant or breastfeeding. The Bait Shack. Located on Ship Creek upstream of the bridge. Can't miss the bright red shack. They're the go-to fishing gear rental and guide service on Ship Creek. Tight lines and fish on. Come hook into the action with them. Hit them up at thebaitshackak.com. Snow Pro AK, your snow and ice management company specializing in business and residential properties. They know what it takes to keep your property presentable and safe. Give them a call for a free estimate at 280-7098 or visit lawnproak.com. Double Shovel Cider Company, located off of Arctic and 58th handcrafted Alaskan-made colonial ciders. They also have a tap room downtown on the corner of 5th and E. Stop by today and taste an award-winning cider. The Alaska chapter of Backcountry Hunters and Anglers. BHA is the voice of our Alaskan public lands, waters, and wildlife. Their goal is to uphold our hunting and fishing legacy while keeping our public lands wild. Stand up today and join BHA at backcountryhunters.org. Enemy, and it is unmanly to say they cannot do it.